Teachings of the Unfinished Book. This book has it all. It's a chronicle of all the mistakes you never want to repeat. Prince Hans Davian, New Avalon, 5 May, 3050. You're listening to Wolfnet Radio, the show that energizes you like a triple-strength myomer bundle. I'll be your host this evening, Matthew. Here we are. We like it. Bloodbath Barons. Tonight, co-host, Andrew. Extra neat with the wiring, Minnow Crawl. Good evening, guys. And Luke, nullify that, Charles Gideon Dirks. Good evening, everybody. And Thomas, are you a seagull? Silent Sea Raven Kruger. Good evening. Oh, there he is. (laughs) So silent. Somebody just had a heart attack in their car. (laughs) And tonight's special guest, welcome, Catalyst Game Lab Executive Editor, John Wolfgang Hansen with Sunglasses Helfers. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you doing this evening? I am well. I am well. Uh, Green Bay was comfortable. So can't complain, uh, although they did take that loss to the, to the Jets, but it's preseason, so it doesn't even count. You know, speaking of football and other sports, Aaron couldn't make it tonight because he had fun with golf. <laughs> other things, so I heard. So kudos to uh, Coach while we're picking up the pieces. But anyways, let's get on to the show. So uh, tonight we'd like to ask you a few questions. Uh, one of the fun things we ask everybody is, how did you get into Battletech? Um, Battletech was my hobby in experience. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, like, I played my first game exactly, but I know I spent many a late night slinging dice and destroying mechs uh, while going to school. So it was it was out of high school and into college. And I went to school in Green Bay. I've been in Green Bay for the past like, 30 years. Um, and yeah, that's just it. It saw it. It must have been in a game store somewhere. We had our share here, and uh, just knew that was something I wanted to get into. And the funny part is, I took a big break while I went into publishing uh, in between. Uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, how I got to Catalyst. Was at Gen Con, referred to Lauren Coleman by uh, my good friend Gene Raby, who said, "Hey, for editors, you should go check it out." And I started work on the uh, late limited battle core, uh, just doing some light edit for that and it just kind of snowballed from there nice um most of us got uh, in the battle tech with like school um like i started high school andrew when did you start battle tech did you start and andrew sorry i muted myself because i got a thunderstorm going on and i i missed that so i apologize but that's a um, great I... backdrop like theme music <laughs> I got I got started when I was a junior in high school. I happened to pick up a uh, decision at Thunder Rift at the bookstore, which was an odd thing for me because I wasn't uh, a good reader or cared to read in high school, and then ran into these books and couldn't put them down enough. So um, I, I give BattleTech the the uh, nod for getting me to read. <laughs> there you go. Military from, science fiction. Yeah, yeah. and it, it snowballed. <laughs> You can say it snowballed from there. So, so uh, John, what does a typical workday look for you like with Catalyst? Well, I work at home, which gives me a lot of flexibility. Um, we certainly have our share of meetings, which are done over Zoom or Skype or whatever. But uh, typically, it's 
a lot of management um, because, well, at this point, we're publishing, I would say, anywhere from a half a million to 750,000 new words of fiction every year. <laughs> that doesn't include the Dark Age novel. Yeah, yeah, we're doing six books a year, and then there's novellas, there's short novels, there's the anthologies. Um, yeah, it's quite the run. So I've got to manage my authors. I've got to coordinate with Ray uh, on source book novel interaction um, and it's in, this year it's definitely getting those dark age books off my desk so i can move back to my regular schedule it's been a little bit let's say hectic going from like 10 to 12 books to 40 uh, but <laughs> we're well yeah yeah you laugh laugh that's yeah, a big difference no it's a lot it's a big difference yeah <laughs> and with my my let's say yearn because i want these books to go out right i don't want people to pick up especially a pod book i don't want them to get it with typos in there so we're reviewing every book to make sure it's clean well that takes time uh, plus uh with brent evans our art director doing brand new covers with tango sim who's been doing a phenomenal job on those that also has to be factored into the publishing schedule so but typically I, i'm up in the morning and you know get settled in and it's pretty much just kind of what fires, if any, to have to be put out today, uh, or what's carried over from yesterday that I need to wrap up. And then it's working on to, on some days I might be editing uh, a new novel coming out, coordinating with the author, talking to them about an idea. A lot of times I'm also doing some final polish on something that's going to come out soon. And um, I also coordinate the audiobook line, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, so it's it's getting narrators for that, going through files, and I also upload everything. I'm the guy who shoves everything out onto the internet. So it's my days are busy. They're varied, but I really enjoy them. And then three or four days a week, I have at least one meeting with various people, whether it's the Battletech team uh, or the directors. So, um, yeah, it's it's editorial 24-7. What, so what, what, what constitutes the Battletech team and what constitutes the directors? <clears throat> well, the directors, uh, for the most part, are it's Lauren Coleman, Randall Bills, Brent Evans, and myself. Uh, as that, I don't want to say we're like the, it's hard to, I mean, Lauren, of course, is the company owner, Randall, who's been here like forever, kind of his man of Friday, uh, Brent, art director, also been here forever, and myself, who actually has is, is been at Catalyst for over a decade, which I look back on that, and it's a little strange to me, but at the same time, I feel like I've always been here, it's, you know, very comfortable. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, you know, a lot of times you see us on AMAs and stuff like that. Uh, the Battletech, there's a there's a kind of a plot team that uh, is elements of fiction and um, uh, the sourcebook side, which that's uh, Rhea Rastia, Aaron Cahal, Jason Spencer, Phil Lee, and myself. And we are primarily the ones who kind of um, direct where things are going, make sure that both sides are speaking to each other and everything's working out, coordinate with the authors on the sourcebook and the fiction and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then there's a lesser, not, not lesser, but then there's the Battletech kind of uh, line developer meeting, and that's Ray Arastia, Brent, Randall, and myself. And that's also a, it's the same but different as the Battletech kind of plotting team, because they, uh, at that time, we look at production, making sure books are on schedule and things like that, and handle those kind of problems that may pop up. And also sometimes coming up with crazy ideas that we're going to execute in six months. So <laughs> that's kind of the, the, the yeah, that's or 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 in ninety days, like like Battletech, cool. but we won't speak of that. Yeah, that was insane. That was insane. Fun, like but the the lightning speed ninety days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so so, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was, that's I was pretty just much it. Say, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, so I was kind of going back to, because you said you got your start with Battlecore. Um, so how, like, how do you feel with, like, Shrapnel coming back around? Because it's, it's, I mean, it's not the same, but it's kind of like the uh, spiritual ancestor of kind of that anthology piece. Like, do you, what are your feelings on it? Oh, um, I couldn't be more happy about it. It's, it's kind of like if Battle Technology and Battlecore had a baby. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, but keep in mind, behind the scenes, I'm, I'm comfortable talking about this, Phil Lee and I had been pushing for this for about two years before we made it a Kickstarter goal. We, we had it, we had mocked up an issue. We were pretty sure the fans would come out for it, and you guys, everyone has exceeded our wildest expectations. Um, but we were, we were pretty confident. If we were to put this out, the fans would come and, and go for it. Uh, and the Kickstarter provided us with the final push leverage, partly because, dear God, we, we needed a stretch goal. But it was the perfect one to throw in there anyways, because at that point, we realized that the fans were still there, not just old ones, but new ones. And the Kickstarter, we knew it, we always knew it. But to have that definitive proof as to how the campaign went was just, the validation was very sweet. Let's put it that way. Now, to get back to your question, I love the Trapples out there. I have a hand. Uh, Phil does an amazing job as a managing editor, but I you know, oversee what he does and take a look at it and usually select the art. I couldn't be happier with both the quality of the magazine and the response from the uh, Everyone's very thrilled with it. Uh, as you know, we're two, and I see no reason why it's going to stop. Um, as long as everyone's coming out for it, we're going to keep coming. <clears throat> and finally, and the best for me, it's a great place to break the wall. It's a great place to find talent that we weren't aware existed. Um, because while we're always looking, it's tough to give someone a 20,000-word novella, but if they start writing short fiction there and they prove themselves, then, yeah, it's, it's very likely to sign bigger and better things down the road. So it serves many purposes for us. That's a great testing ground to have for an asset. It's invaluable. Uh, absolutely. Do you guys have any kind of uh, numbers on how many new people you want to add to your, say, novellas list of authors that are up and coming from the shrapnel pool of up and coming? Well, I, would, I mean, the, the blunt edge, I'll take as many as I can get. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's good to have a pool to draw from both in short fiction. I mean, we're already doing the ELA series that you guys are sure of. Whatever. You know, bringing back the uh, Iridani life in a big way. Um, and a lot of the, both old hands and some new people got shots for that. Uh, and I've got another anthology project going to come down, I think, uh, this quarter or next that I'll start soliciting for. Um, but the novellas as well, once people kind of, I see what they can do with the short fiction uh, length. I, I could easily use, let's see, I could easily use another half dozen authors. And, and they can then rotate them in and out. It's a thing. And ideally, I want to get, for publishing, you're supposed to be about a year out. A book that come out this month, you're supposed to, I'm already supposed to work on the book for this time next year. Uh, and, and quite honestly, not quite there yet. And having more authors to draw upon would make it easier for me to get to that point. So, yeah, another half dozen solid people I can depend on. That would be true. Well, that's a, lot, that's a good expectation because I'm sure there are plenty of other people that want to submit. So, um are uh, there plans for volumes of smaller novellas uh, in the mix or in oh, the future? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
especially the novellas, we can't, the short novels, the 40, the ones that we tested with um, uh, Divided We Fall and Children of Currency, which actually was a bit longer, those can stand on their own. But the novellas I will always package up because I know there's a lot of people out there who really like print. And I'm a fan too, not going to lie. Me too. Um, ebooks, ebooks are, while they're more convenient for, for the publishing side, uh, the fact that I can bundle three or four novellas together and get them out to those who want that print edition uh, just means why wouldn't I do that? A, bluntly, it's it's income for us. But B, I want to give every fan the opportunity to pick up the story in whatever format they want. And so POD is just a means to an end. But it's a very effective one. And Amazon has, has played a huge role in, in your ability to do that going forward or or just even absolutely okay yeah well when i first put out the first book i put out i still remember this because it proved to me how viable it was was betrayal of ideals uh as i'm sure you guys are familiar with Mm -hmm. and when i saw the numbers start coming i'm like we've got to get on this oh yeah because the numbers don't lie right exactly and there was there was it wasn't just a minor thing it was a, a very deep you know we, it proved me that the fans absolutely want this. So I'm like, well, this works for me. And yeah, it's, it's been a core component of the fiction line ever since. How much, how much work is it then for if you put a book together as uh, EPUB or Mobi format to make it be print on a man? Or is that just a process that Amazon takes care of it for you in the background? No, we, we produce all our files in-house. Um, I'm very fortunate. I have a fantastic program. Anyone who's looking to publish ebooks should really look into it. It's called Vellum, V-E-L-L-U-M. And it turns out any type of ebook I want. Uh, I can do, it does Mobi, it does uh, ebook, it does Nook, it does all the major brands, and it can do it at the same time. And if I need to make a change, I just make the change and I redo the file, and it's done. Uh, let's see, Vellum app there it is yeah right there exactly great beautiful books it is a lifesaver for me because i can dump in a word file and it will handle headers it will handle all the formatting um and then once the ebook file is ready i offload it into rtf and i send it to my wizard the guy without whom i couldn't do nearly as much as i do i send it to dak who is our uh graphics layout person and he creates the pod the pdf file for the book itself Nice. And he creates the wraparound covers, those great covers you see. That's all Dak's work. He's amazing. Um, the redesign we just did, by the way, uh, that also a lot. Of, Dak did a lot of that, choosing the fonts and getting that all ready, which I'm just I couldn't be happier with how the new books look. I didn't mind the old ones; they were fine, but we corrected a few things. And besides, it was it was five years old. It was time for a refresh on the covers, and I'm just so much happier with the full art covers. I think they're much more striking, uh, much more visually appealing. And you know, why are we cutting off a third of the of the art by these, what we call corduroy in, in-house. Anyways, uh, but Dak does all the interior layout, then I check it over, it's good, and we upload that, and it goes. And it's it's a really smooth process. Uh, he's just terrific to work with. I could not have a better person handling that end of the process. Um, Dak does a lot of the layout. Way. Dak does a lot of the layout, doesn't he? I mean, even down to the source yes. books and a rule book oh, and yeah. everything, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he does. Um, uh, him and I don't think he's doing primarily the Battletech. Him and, and Matt Heert are, are, are two internal design guys. But he does every single book I've done that once I started this. I've been using him and I never look back. 
So yeah, but he does it all. He does layouts. He does game boxes. He does. I don't wow. know what he doesn't do for us. To be honest, uh, <laughs> he, you know, card layout. He's done pips, all sorts of just. He's a jack of all trades. Toss him something like, well, I'll see what I can do, and then thirty minutes later, you've got this amazing box up. Like, yeah, I just knocked that out. Like, I called the alchemist because he does stuff I, I can't even fathom. And I'm like, okay, okay. you just I'll give you your here's the ingredients, maybe something amazing, and he does. It's he's incredible. So, yeah. cool. He's like, yeah. ah, I just thought that up while I went to the soda machine. <laughs> and, honestly, he's like, he's like, I give him something like, I need this, this, this. Like, well, I don't know. An hour later, like, yeah, how well is this? Like, well, it's 90% there. Okay, great. And I just, I just whip that out. Like, okay. I pay him far too many compliments, but he earns every single one of them. When you, you mentioned uh, doing the new layouts for the covers, and, I, and I've noticed that Divided We Fall has the new format, because it originally came out with the old, I'm pretty sure. So are we are planning correct. on, should we plan on seeing all of the, the semi-recent releases coming out with the new layout? Yes, as well as all, at some point, all the backlist is going to, because all the Legends books, a lot of those are still not in print yet. Well, once I do the final pass on those to get them cleaned up, and, and uh, going to be because because we got dinged on it in reviews. People can know the reason we redid uh, Divided was because it was messy in terms, um, and embarrassingly so. I, I hate putting things out that are as clean as they should be. And once I like, oh my god, this is terrible. And a lot of it was <laughs> our audio person. Uh, yeah, it's our audio narrator Trent Sparks is very conscientious, and he sends me a list like, hey. I found these things. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so I go and fix them. And then, I, of course, I have to upload all new files. If I'm going to do that, I might as well have Dak do it. And, you know, if you can go find the old file versus the new file, you tell me what cover looks better, to be quite honest. Um, but we also did that with Bonfire of Worlds. If you go and find the old the old cover of Bonfire of Worlds, that had the called the corduroy at the top <clears> of the bottom. <throat> I just went full cover on that, too. So, yes, every single book is going to be redone eventually in the new style. From nice. the, old, the oldest anthologies for Battlecore to the latest ones rolling off the line because i just like to keep them up to date it makes sense to me and a unified look i think is a good thing so there this may cause some fans to gnash their teeth because they're going to have some of the old style some of the new style but they love you there you go but yeah so what would you well, like? no, i appreciate that well i just appreciate that because i i guess i was kind of when I noticed it, I was like, why, why here of all places? But it makes a lot of sense now that you explain it, that it was, I was going through doing edits anyway. So I just did, you mm -hmm. know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, the one thing I appreciate is Amazon gives people in ebook the opportunity to flag error. And that does help us put out better. Product. So we don't take it, I'm not insulted. I'm actually appreciative because they're kind of a little bit doing our work for us where I don't have to go give a 90,000 word book looking for 10 errors if people mark hey this should be this it does make our job but um the re but the other reason that divided uh, was put out with a new cover is because i think wrapping up the audiobook for divided and that's going to come out in audio i'll say soon i don't know exactly Ooh. when because i'm waiting for the final files to come through and i wanted the new file to go on audible so there's that too uh, Trent so, is working on the run-up to Hour of the Wolf. He's doing everything. We did it from the middle of last year, except for one book, uh, Blood Will Tell, because that's denied. So I got a female narrator for that. But he's doing just about everything else that Blaine or Jason or Brian Young put out. 
So audiobooks, it's awesome that it it, it looks like you guys are making a, a real good push uh, for that. How many how many voice authors, your voice readers, people that are creating books, how many folks do you have doing that now, and and do you see that expanding in the future? So the first answer is not enough, and <laughs> yes. But I'll go into more detail. So, of course, I, I think, as you all know, those of you who are audio fans, Trent Sparks is our main Battletech person, a narrator, uh, who's been met with, I think, fairly universal acclaim. Uh, and he's wonderful to work with. If I could clone him, I would, but unfortunately that technology does not exist yet. So <laughs> I have to move, move beyond to others. Uh, but I also, I'm a big believer in whatever the main character is. If it's a female, it should be a female narrator. If it's a male, it should be a male narrator. Um, but the, the simple fact is, by the time Dark Age comes out, we'll have 115, not counting the new books coming out this year, 115 full-length novels that need to be recorded. Wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and so far, we've done Greatest Legion, Forever Faithful, Embers, and uh, Bonfire is seven, six, six. So we're a bit behind. Not going to lie. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> So, yeah, so I've been, uh, actually, I think, it, it, do we do want to do this now, or do we want to save that for later? By all means, let it go. Let's do it now. Okay, it, well. it fits right into the conversation. Yeah. Let's roll with it. Like, cut the sucker. Perfect, perfect. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pleased to announce that we are working with Mr. Tex from Tex Talks Battletech. Sweet. Um, and uh, and he is starting on uh, Blood of Christ. Yeah. So he, he selected uh, Chapter 8 where a uh, certain Phelan Kell is about to encounter um, these, these strange invaders from they know not where. Let's just leave it at that. So if you want to let that go, let's, uh, let's spool that up. He brought in the coup at close to the largest asteroid, known as the Rock. It had given its name to the whole system. It had an atmosphere that made it habitable, and aside from the need to harvest water from ice balls floating in the asteroid belt, it was supposed to be a pleasant place. Kenny Ryan's pirates had just begun to use it as a base, and the Kellhounds hoped to catch them by surprise by bringing the queue in close. When the ship appeared in system, the initial scans picked up no communications from the rock at all. Vandermeer had ordered an immediate scan of the surrounding area and got snippets of radio contacts from several sites in the asteroid belt. Captain Wilson deployed her forces and slowly began a sweep of the asteroids best suited to supporting a pirate band's secret haven. And we got Sisyphus's lament. After five hours of humping up and down these iron mountains, thank God we got something. Phelan glanced sourly at his display, then punched up another increase in magnification. Holy mother of God, Jack, I mean, hound leader, Ryan's folks are running from something. I have definite visuals on lasers going in and out of something I mark as long-range missile fire incoming. Over across the valley, Phelan saw a small bird-like locust ducking and dodging between reddish mounds of rock. The awkwardness of its gait was accentuated by the large hops the asteroid's lighter gravity allowed it. Missiles arced up and over the hills behind it, peppering the whole area around the fleeing mech with explosions. Staggered barrages herded the locusts diagonally across the hillside, then another mech appeared in a narrow pass between two bluffs. Phelan frowned heavily 
as the computer sharpened and tried to label the image of the new mech. Confused, the computer identified it first as a catapult, then almost immediately reclassified it as a marauder. It's got that hunched-over torso and the bird legs common to both designs, all right. And it's got the catapult's wing-mounted LRM launchers, but it also has the marauder's weapon pods. And I've never seen that flat gray color scheme before, either. Who and what the hell is it? The unidentified mech jabbed both blocky pods at the locust, sending out twin ruby lasers to skewer the fleeing mech's right flank. The first beam melted the armor from the locust's torso, making it drip steaming to the asteroid's surface while exposing the mech's skeleton and internal structures. The second beam stabbed through the hole the first had made. Its fiery touch ignited the machine gun ammo stored in the chest, then destroyed the locust gyro stabilizers. As the light mech's right side sagged in on itself, it stumbled and rolled down the hillside. Its headlong spill ended with a jarring collision against a huge iron boulder, the color of dried blood. Three more of Ryan's bandit mechs broke from cover and tried to rush across the valley toward Phelan's hidden watch position. Two of them, the humanoid griffin he'd seen earlier and another humanoid mech, a panther, darted from cover to cover. Both pilots used their mech's jump jets to quickly cross areas strewn with rocks too small for cover, but large enough to slow their sprint speed. Bringing up the rear came another humanoid mech. Instead of arms, it sprouted twin-barreled weapons pods, larger than either the griffin or the panther, and without jump jets, it moved more slowly than either of its compatriots. Phelan sensed the pilot's panic as he guided the rifleman down the hillside and discovered he'd boxed himself in. Hound leader, continue your present heading to make the plane. We've got help trapping the rats. Confusion rang through Jack's voice. Who? What? Phelan shrugged and moved from cover. I can't identify our help. But they're on the ridge a kilometer off, driving Ryan toward us. Tang laughed lightly. Enemy of my enemy is my friend? Phelan saw Tang's black and red blackjack appear down on the edge of the plane. Tang's barrel-chested humanoid mech had arms that ended in the autocannon muzzles, with the muzzle of a medium laser riding piggyback on the outside of the forearm. The scout lance leader wove his mech through the dolmen at the nearest edge of the plane, closing on Ryan's mechs without being seen. Opposite Tang's position, two more strange-looking mechs entered the battlefield. Phelan's computer again vacillated in assigning a label to these new machines. It's calling them Warhammers because of the chassis type, but the addition of Marauder-type arms instead of the particle projection cannons is giving it fits. Both mechs moved in on the trapped rifleman. Ryan's griffin turned its attention to Tang's approaching blackjack. Phelan tight-beamed a warning to his lieutenant, then brought his mech around from behind to the outcropping he'd been using for cover. Opening a wide-beam broadcast, he snapped a challenge at the pirate captain. Over here, you excuse for retroactive birth control. We're the ones you said would never get you. Move it. Let's prove natural selection was correct. The griffin reoriented itself toward him, then Phelan saw it freeze for a moment. The wolfhound Phelan piloted had a humanoid form and walked upright, but its unusual silhouette gave most enemy pilots reason to pause. Its right wrist ended in the muzzle of a large laser, 
and three medium laser ports dotted its scarlet chest in a triangular pattern. Most startling, however, was the mech's head and cockpit assembly, whose design accented and heightened the implied threat of the wolfhound's lean deadliness. Its jutting muzzle and twin viewports combined with the upthrust triangular sensor panels on either side to give the wolfhound a canine appearance. Phelan had taken the image one step further and painted the mech's muzzle to appear that the war machine was bearing white fangs in a fierce snarl. Aluminum strips inlaid beneath the paint job outlined the teeth so that the mech's wolfish grin appeared even on mag scan and infrared sensor modes. Phelan started his mech down the hillside as Tang's blackjack broke from cover and raised both its arms. The mech's twin autocannons fired salvos at the pirate panther. Phelan's computer marked the distance between the blackjack and the panther as 800 meters, putting the shot at the extreme edge of Tang's effective range. Despite the difficulty, Tang hit with one of his two shots, pulverizing armor plates on the panther's heart. Picking up speed, Phelan worked his way through the debris scattered over the plane's near side. As he saw it, Ryan seemed more intent on running from the mechs pursuing him than evading the Kellhounds. Well, it's his funeral. There we go. And then we'll just all and act we'll, like we listened to it. <laughs> yep. And we're back. <laughs> right. And I just, really, I just really love Tex's voice. It's, it's, it's not Barry White, but it's, it's still, still saucy. It's, oh, it's amazing. I, I mean, when I, I heard the fans say, hey, you should do something, you should do something, do something. Like, okay, okay. And then I finally logged on to one of his streams and I listened, I'm like, oh, God, this guy's really good. Um, I feel like it's the Warhammer or something or one of the earlier ones. So, like, this guy's not just good, he's awesome. So, I finally reached out to him. And uh, it still, you know, took a while. He's a busy guy. I'm a busy guy for us to kind of come together on this. And I said, look, I want you to do, I want you to be the Stackpole narrator, pretty much. I want you to do all the Stackpole books. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, really. And guess what? We'll even pay you for it. You know, it's, it's a real, it's a real gig. You actually have money coming in. I can't like, imagine. Think about it. I can't imagine how <laughs> big eyes would have gotten hearing that. I want you to be a stackpole narrator, <laughs> like. Oh, oh, oh. Well, well, we, we couldn't unfortunately. the The original plan was to get Mike, because Mike does like his narration, which I didn't know, uh, and is an award winning narrator. And of course, having the author narrate their own work would have been terrific. But due to Issues, pandemic and otherwise, it, mm -hmm. just, it just didn't come together. And I couldn't wait any longer. Like, well, who, who else would be? I can't break trend with like 10 other books I want to do with the scientists. I got I to gotta branch out. Text would be probably the perfect matchup for it. So, oh, yeah. And yeah, he's doing an amazing job too. So I can't wait for the fans to really hear the whole book. I think it's going to be tremendous. I think uh, everyone's, you know, trend is remarkable. I'm going to, as long as he wants to work with me, I'm going to have him do as much work as possible. But I have to branch out. It's just that simple. I, I, yeah, we're uh, we're all behind Tex and uh, what he's continuing to do with the mm -hmm. community, and that we're glad he, he got that spot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, another question with with the auto audio uh, readers are mm -hmm. are characters in the books can can the actual person play their own audio or record their own audio like Andrew here. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, I'm, I'm sure some canon character people would be just tickled pink to get an audio the, the, strip. The logistics, the logistics of getting that done would be probably ridiculous. Eh, a little <laughs> MP3. Be, so, so here, so here's the thing. 
We are I having someone work with a full cast recording. That's being done right now. If that were to work out, and I've got a really awesome audio engineer who can work miracles on his end the final pass. If that were to work out, I can't, I'm not going to promise anything because sure. Andrew's going to write the logistics of it could be, but let's just say never say never. And let's leave it at that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Because I look, that would be kind of fun. Major. That, um, that would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but we're, so we're super glad. Go. We're super glad that, you know, folks like Tommy here are going to be able to enjoy basking in the sun, doing his own work on the road or something like that. And be able to, have so many audiobooks that he would, you know, run out of time to listen. <laughs> um, it's possible. I'm not gonna, I, honestly, the backlog is so, you know, I don't know. It depends on how, how often you listen to audiobooks in a day, but you'll be good for a good long time. Let's put it that way. That's I awesome. go through two uh, audiobooks a week. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah, okay, you're, you're probably caught up now because I can't. I just can't do something. <laughs> we can't uh, but I'm working on changing that. I'm working on changing that, I swear. Uh, does anyone else here listen to audio? Or is it, is it primarily I, Tommy? I have listened to whatever was available with Audacity. and um, uh, the, Gen, the Gen Con trip is always the, the yep. time. I'll, I'll get the books and listen to them on a Gen Con trip. So. There just you go. There just you as go. long as yeah. they're not going to be abridged. Yeah, that was the biggest thing New, <clears throat> for us. We've we've had people who have spoken very highly. I think one person said, "Avoid the abridged versions; they're utter garbage." Which I, I honestly would prefer those not be sold anymore. But I don't yes. know if uh, I probably have to get the license holder to pull a. Hey, we need you to pull these down. Um, <laughs> that's like our. That's, that's like that's, our first. That's like our first six episodes. We keep wondering whether we want to keep them up or not. <laughs> it shows there constant, some, constant improvement. There was, some, there was some rough growing pains when we first started this. So, <laughs> mm. all those lost in time episodes. Yeah, yeah. See, the thing is, we had nothing. We had nothing to do with those bridge ones. But I, I can't stand abridged editions of anything because it's not the real story. Right. It's not, you're not getting the whole story. And if audio fans want to listen to 10, 11, 12 hours of Trend or Mr. Tex or whoever, you know, they like the story, they like the book, hey, who am I to stop? Absolutely. But the abridged version is just like, why are you truncating this? Why are you <laughs> taking away, in a lot of cases, important plot aspects oh, yeah. of it? Because it, it's hard to condense 110,000 word story into what, 50, 60, and still think you're getting the full scope of it. So, now as long as I'm here, there will never be an abridged audio book on my. Yay! So take that to the take that to the bank. Take that Thank to the you. bank. Ooh, Seagal. All right. So, what else do you think? What would you like to see happen in like the the near future of BattleTech? Well, I mean, gotta be honest, it's it's going pretty damn well right. But so obviously, <laughs> the more fans, the more fans, the merrier. But I, I I do I have two things. On one hand, you know, obviously we we've had our we've had some, although I've had to kind of shove out some Dark Age books to get them off my plate, but fine. It's, it's good to wrap that up. Um, and we're, you know, obviously we meet weekly to plot out what's happening, and you guys, I don't know if you've talked about Tomorrow Rising, the, the source book, and then there's certain things I can't talk about because I haven't been, I don't think even quite yet. Uh, so, Owl of the Wolf was the big, well, let's say mech landing in the pond, and the ripples are now radiating outward, and that's what we're dealing with for the next mm -hmm. 
I'm going to say wild. Um, at some point, though, we have to turn our eyes back to tarot. And I'm, I'm really anxious, not anxious, I'm excited to start focusing back on, you know, the, the true after effects of, of a certain person, you know, becoming the Okan there and, and ramifications of that. Um, so that's, from a plot perspective, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing happen. We've got, you know, we talk about it every week and what's laying out plans and this, that, and the other. Uh, for Battletech itself, um, you know, just everyone spread the word, please. That's keep spreading the word. And, and I, I follow on Discord, we have a, um, a demo agent channel, which I dip into every so often, and I see people who are running events and grinders at their uh, game stores, which I think is terrific. And I think that we've really entered, I dare say, a new age for Battletech. And again, I, I put a lot of that on the Kickstarter uh, for, sh you know, not only showing us, the fans, are out there, but marketing to other fans who may not have gotten into it if they didn't see it, if you know what I mean. So it, it, it went both ways. And I just want that channel to be open, and I want the fans to enjoy it, and I want us to keep producing great stuff that you guys keep picking up and playing with and having a lot of fun with. So here, here. Yeah. Um, so uh, you guys, you and Brent and uh, Ray did an AMA recently. So you, you kind of touched on yes. how you're, you're looking to intertwine the source books and the fiction and kind of having it all roll together. Um, but what, like, how does that affect your side of the house? Because when, when that came up in that conversation, there was kind of some, some grins and winks and stuff like that. So I feel like that's probably <laughs> causes you guys a lot of headaches trying to keep everything straight. <laughs> It can. I mean, it's a great team. It's, I'm very happy to be working with them. Uh, it's a terrific bunch of guys, and we all have put the IP first that we want. Um, uh, but yeah, that's the, the key is, like, for FASA days, it used to be the fiction came first. The fiction drove the line. And when Brent was the line developer, we thought we were, we thought we were heading back to that, uh, but it really was... At that point, it was get out of the Dark Age and into the Ilkhan era. And that's the fiction really ended up doing a lot more lifting to that. Shattered Fortress was already out. And I'm like, okay, now the fiction has to kind of bridge the gap between there and, hey, guess what? This is what's happened now with Island. Um, And so we've been working more in tandem moving forward. There's been two growing pains. There's been some um, miscues I'm not going to get into. Just, just let's just say mistakes were made and leave it at that. <laughs> No, nothing, nothing terminal. But well, we're all human. I mean, like, things when, can happen. Yeah. Well, when and when, when you mesh two systems together, there's going to be some fitting in and square pegs and round holes and this, that, and the other. And, and that's really what happened. But nothing terminal. But it, the great thing is we can all have a reasonable conversation about X, Y, and Z. And at the end of the day, we're going to work it out. You know, there's, there's never been an argument. There's never been anyone throwing down anything. There's never been an, oh, how, you know, my way or the highway. We're all want to put the best product forward. So the coordination actually is, is as helpful as it sometimes is a headache. And it's not a headache very often. I'm going to be completely honest with that. Um, because we all know coordination has to happen. Otherwise, books will be saying the wrong things. And we don't want that. So so we've heard, we've heard from some other folks um, as well that the source books are going to be changing a bit in that You'll be doing source books by region now. I think is is what we were told. Where the Tamar Rising source book is that region of space and the things that are happening in that area. Is that a, are we? Am I understanding that correctly, or is that 
something that's, that will be that's a little what, different. That's one, uh, well, that's one aspect of it, Andrew. Um, we're open to anything as long as the fans are looking for it. Fair. Are we okay? Yeah. Okay. Let's make a chart. I just saw the window change. Um, <laughs> ultimately, what it comes down to, to me, is what are the fans willing to support? What are the fans willing to pick up? Uh, yeah, I know every time we do an AMA, are they going to do combat manuals? Are they going to do this, that, or the other? When we were putting them out, bluntly, they weren't selling as well as we'd like them to be. And at the bottom, at the end of the day, the bottom line does play a pretty big part on what we can do as a company. Nowadays, at some point, for, so to answer your question, Andrew, in this right now, we're doing the regions because that's what makes sense. As I said, ripples in the pond or ripples in the lake or ocean, whatever you want to do it. How does that affect the Jade Falcon OZ? How does that affect the wolf occupation, the wolf empire? How does that affect the new Tamar region, which was now blowing? Um, it's, and, and then you take that and you're like, well, what's around here? And how does it affect, for example, the ghost bears, which I am throwing out for a reason, um, because it does. Um, but you take that like Tamar and you start looking at areas around it. So you, you kind of like, we need to bring everyone up to speed. Is it an experiment? Kind of. Yeah. We're not focusing on just house Carita. We're not just focusing on a year. It's not a, a error report 3151, you know, yeah. we're, we're doing this as a little bit of an experiment to see a, do the fans pick this up and is it something they can find useful in the game, in their game? Um, and B, to be honest, the source books also help us keep track of stuff what's going on too. But ultimately, it's it's we want the fans to be comfortable and hopefully find this useful as they move forward in the game. But if there's a big clamor for combat manuals, and I, I think eventually the error reports probably will come back, but but that's more of a source book. I'm talking out of my butt. That's more of a source book, uh, you know, line developer question than my my side. But if it, look, the bottom line, if the demand was there, we would certainly look at resurrecting some things or continuing them for sure. So those source books then, you know, go grab one off the shelf, but will they be a little meatier then as well with having to cover, you know, many different political factions or many different, you know, you have Tamar Rising, which is Lyran. You have the Jade Falcon Occupation Zone. You have, you know, the Bears along there. You have Kirito along there. Um, will they Will they touch on all of those or will it be... And again, this isn't this isn't your. Sorry, this isn't your. Well, your no, no, it's okay. Cause I, I I was eavesdropping enough as they're developing tomorrow, and yeah, it does touch on at least give you, a, even if some of them maybe a briefer window than others. Like Ghost Bear is going to be minor because we have events planned for them a little bit later on the line. But they're going to say when tomorrow rises, this is the factions around it. This is what their general reaction is to here, 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 and here. Just the ones you just mentioned, for example. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah, and, and the, the idea is to give. You don't want to, I mean, you guys could probably take like 200,000 words and be happy with it, but the idea is to not make the average player's eyes glaze over with, you know, delving to the minutiae. It's striking that balance to provide, because do new players want to jump into something they're just finding out about now? The old players can dive in and say, oh yeah, this is this, and I, I, I'm right in there. But we have to strike the balance of enough meat that a new player doesn't feel lost, but an old player feels comfortable and has enough to work with, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Is is that a, is that a conversation that you guys have, or is that on the table often when you talk about new product and the resurgence of BattleTech and people either coming back or new players coming in? How do you whet their appetite enough where you're not smacking them upside the head with a baseball bat, but <laughs> giving them enough of a taste that they they keep coming? 
It, well, it's I, I would prefer to call it smack upside the head with like a, a linear foot of books, for example, um, or, or or yard or meter, whatever you want to call it. Sure. It's the whole nine yards. Uh, it, it, that's an excellent question. It is a balance, and part of it is it's difficult to know how many people are old school or getting back into it. Like, well, it's riding a bike. It's like piloting a bike. You never forget. Um, but but what we were a little more unclear on is how many people are brand new. Picked up the box set. Beginner's box picked up a game of combat, and now maybe looking at the let's face it, the vast array of books that are out there, and like, well, where do I go from here? Which could be a little intimidating. Uh, so that that's something we've been trying to figure out. Uh, for example, I on the fiction side, Jason Schmetzer and I have been talking about uh, doing kind of an intro series of fiction. Uh, Great Death Legion is still a great intro starting point. I think for people to launch into the fiction side, I, there, there are a few books that are better at kind of delineating the world, even though it's set back in the day, but still, you know, Bill just did a fantastic job. But something a little more, a little shorter, and uh, with a little more punch that people can kind of read, you know, and not feel like they have to not wait through a book. Hopefully once they pick up, you know, Decision Thunder Rift, they'll be just as into it as, as Andrew was back in the day. Um, but something a little shorter that gives them an aspect of mech combat or running a mercenary unit or, you know, the politics of a world. It just kind of whet their appetite, hopefully, that it would lead them into something bigger. So we've been talking about that to put out as intro fiction or posted for a buck or whatever. And people can like, hey, new to this, check out this series and kind of I, get them into there. I know that that would be spectacular because we get that a lot on our Facebook page. And even on the Discord as well, people coming back and not knowing the state or where we're at, you know, like an era report or something like that, or new people coming in and where do I go? You know, what books do I need to get? You know, how do I start playing? And then what, how do I walk into, into fiction? We get that question a lot. So something like that would, would go a long ways and, in our opinion, I think I can speak for all of us in that that would be a fantastic way to direct yep. people. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially kind of as the, the the lore guy that everybody points to and says, oh, hey, ask that guy where to start. <laughs> it's because, because the, the, the hard part is because I, I know that I have my favorites. You know, like I would tell anybody, mm, start sure. with the Grey Death trilogy. You know, I, I love the Grey Death, but also... At this point, we're 120 some years after that. So then, is that really a good right. starting point? You know, or, or then some people, other people will say, "Blood of Kerensky is the place to start because they love the clans." And you know, so why start earlier than that when you can just start there? Or then people say, "We'll start with the most recent stuff," and then it's like, "But you don't even have any idea who these factions are." So it's always this balancing mm. act of how deep do you want to get right from the get go because. It, it's real deep. The water's nice, but it's real deep. They, uh, they yes. usually don't yes. know what they're going to like, so you almost have to ask 20 questions. What kind of faction do you like? What kind of colors do you like? What kind of attitude of warfare <laughs> do you like? Uh, what's your favorite yep. food? What language do you like to speak? Then you can point them toward a direction of, oh, you might like... Uh, the Rasselhog Republic with this kind of cultural aspect or every rhyme mm -hmm. reason chocolate flavored color rainbow of the you know spectrum of ice cream they can choose factions or they can choose the type of warriors they want or 
just start from the beginning. What or... you just said made no sense, yep. but that's exactly right. That's, that's right. That's why <laughs> that's why you can't really direct them to anything unless you know what they want or what they're like. So if you get to know the person when they start, you might be able to direct them somewhere besides start from the beginning. Well, that, that actually gave me a really good idea. I pull this from, which I'll have to credit you guys for just us talking about it, is I think I'm going to pull together from um, the Battlecore archives, is I can put together an intro anthology that brings me some story from every major faction. And just put that together and say, here, this will tell you one of, this is Draconis, this is the uh, Confederation, this is Merrick, this is Steiner, this is the clans, this is all that stuff. Uh, and then the merch and all that, you know, there's a great death, here's a Kelhounds, here's a, you know, this, that, and the other. And just put that together, which I can do, because we have tons of fiction that still hasn't seen the light of day outside of Battlecore. <laughs> and there's your sampler, right there. Um, and it also covers the various idea. eras. And it covers the various eras, which are now there are seven of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Aragani one is covering all those, because it's one of the few units that's been around that long. But this would give people the breadth that they could dip into and say, oh, what's this, this, this uh, uh, Capellan Confederation? Well, what's this, what's the House Steiner? What, this is a great smorgasbord, but I want to start with exactly. the desserts instead of the main courses. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got ice cream on the brain, I think. Um, well, we, but we still, otherwise, you know. We still have to get the, into uh, some of, of the mercenaries, too, yet coming up, right? Yeah. So yep, then, yep, exactly. Finish your note. But the, hold on, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get a quick plug because yep. we just dropped the. Uh, so I, I would, I would still steer people towards the GDL box, which is three novels for five bucks. You can't beat that anywhere. Uh, but it's only an ebook. You have to have a reader. Um, but there also the audio is available because all those three books, all those three novels are available in audio. Audio is more their jam. But we just dropped last week the Blood of Krinsky, uh, box. So all three of Stackwell's books, another five dollar package. You know, it's really hard for people to turn that down. Um, so that, and then the warrior will probably be twenty twenty-two um, as the next one we're probably going to do. Or I might, I might throw in the Jade Falcon, Jade Phoenix trailer because that was pretty much ready. You know, I, might, I might switch that up. So get some classic, uh, classic uh, Thurston in there. So yeah, but the, the box sets have been, and it, the boxes have been. I think, I think those are a good entry point. People see that, like, oh well. Why not throw basically it's a dollar fifty for each book, and I can you know for five dollars I can I can put that in. But they've been they've been very good sellers for us, and I think those also are bringing fans deeper into the world. So getting more of those out there is good for us because it gives them it's a bargain, and it's a cheap way for them to see what this world might be about, what this IP might be about. Well, I mean um, you got you you hear all of the 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 hubbub right now too about the forty k forty k players you know flooding to BattleTech and we're we're seeing some of it a little bit on our discord server um with around questions of modding miniatures or uh mm -hmm. certain things with how you play the game and it, it just you can tell that they're coming from a different game system that uh they're trying to get their bearings and understand yeah. what's going on the min max yeah so <laughs> it's it, it, I think I think a product like that, you know, which you just discussed, just to let people dip their toe in and, and get a which way the wind is blowing type of thing would help a lot of people, I think, become comfortable quickly. Exactly. 
Exactly. Now, the challenge, and this has been brought up, is the challenge on the sourcebook side is the same thing. Once you get like game armor combat and you want to go deeper, not just tabletop mechs, I want to start forming like my Hercule you know, from there. That is a question we've been wrestling with: is what's the next step for a beginning player? What's the next step for an intermediate player? Uh, just as important to you know, because we want to for fans for life. We, we want them to be playing and get their kids playing and just keep on going because they love the game so much. But there has to be an easy access point beyond the box sets that brings them in deeper without overwhelming. Is what. It comes to. So so it's you know it's been discussed. It's been worked on. We're we're trying to figure out the best way to do that. I think fiction. I'll be honest. I think fiction has it easier because someone, if they want to, they can grab a short story. They can grab a quick you know, twenty thousand word novel and feel like the weight of you know. I call this a thousand years of future. But they can grab a story and read it and think they got a pretty good idea of hey this is this is what this is about. I have a glimpse of it without feeling like I just you know have to read now eight hundred. Do you think something like a twenty year like the twenty year update would fit for something like that? Um, possibly. It has been a long time since we did that kind of thing. That was one of my uh, favorites because after like. Like, when I <clears throat> research stuff for me, it's like Warden Clans, Invading Clans, updates, 20-year update, just to see what all the units are doing. And it'd be cool to have a, you know, 3151 update, something like that. Or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. it would, whatever it would work to throw one in. Because then you get the nitty-gritty of, hey, this unit was destroyed, another unit popped up in the Toman or in the Battalion. Then you get oh, the just fun, then you get those fun details of like, oh, they have an entire trinary of executioners. What? Like, oh yeah, you didn't know that? Like, <laughs> no. Like, oh, read. I just think I just think something like that right now would be spectacular because you have you have the HPG network is down. Communication has been not great. <laughs> so and it just says waiting. Rebooting, rebooting, every page, 120 pages, rebooting, Offering. rebooting, Offering. Yep. pay your bill, pay your bill. But I mean, but I mean sorry, you're outside, you're outside the range this HPG, please try again later. But if you'd like to update <laughs> yeah. your car insurance, please stay on the line. <laughs> um, that's, been kicked, that's been kicked around. That's been kicked around. Here's the okay. question for you guys as avid players. The issue there is that means like we'd be doing, you know, 20 year update to 351 covering from 31 to 31, which is a lot of Dark Age stuff, is, and I, as again, I hadn't played in a long time. I was not in the business for the Dark Age, the height of the Dark Age, so it was. And I just, I wonder, I've heard varying, I'm going to say varying opinions on the Dark Age stuff in general. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, and I just wonder what the reaction would be because we're covering mostly the lead-up to uh, unless I'm thinking that 20 year update is something, is that is that more of a unit update kind of thing? Because I'll confess I don't know what the internals of the 20 year update really were. It sounds like sacrilege, I know. I mean, it, it, it talks no, about it was just, unit changes. Yeah. I, I, was, I was looking at it more from a a house, each, each great house perspective of this is what they've gone through, this is kind of the state of that, uh, of this house. And maybe some notable units that, that are still around or that got eradicated. Um, and you know, you... The, fact that you're, the fact that you're going back through and republishing the Dark Age novels, um, I think going back 
to that dark age and including the uh, uh, a, a synopsis of the different regions that happened from then to now to just give everyone, especially old guys coming back. It's a great overview. This is, this is, this is the state and the overview of what's happened 80 years, 60 years, 70 years, whatever. Pick a, pick a time frame. Um, well, 20, 20 seems reasonable. I'm going to be honest. Anything bigger than that, you start getting, I think, overload, information overload. Okay. Um, okay. No, that, that's all really useful information for me. And yeah, uh-huh. it's you know it, it's come up. We're not we're definitely not against it. Absolutely, uh, it's yeah, and that might be a way to help bridge for multiple factions of players to get into the modern age. I know personally, just for myself doing research, that would be spectacular to be able to go to and at least get a broad stroke of okay, here's where this particular thing is happening. Now I know where to go to delve in a little bit better. Um, For some of those players that like to map that stuff out, like, okay, so this unit was destroyed with the action of this planet. This unit was replaced into that to even out the Tomon. Now they've shifted and moved towards the Terra because of the Ilkhan era and the Dark Ages and then Aftermath. Then they started shifting the borderlines. It really puts the dotted lines together. Like you said, it, well, it, you that, go from that inner scope to the larger scope. This would be very macro, right? Yeah. Just very high level yeah. stuff. Oh, it, yeah. Yeah. It'd have to be. Have Cause to then be. someone asks, well, actually, how do I get into battle tech in this faction? Well, what units are still surviving? Oh, now I need this big update of what's left over from what was destroyed. Right. Right. We're actually doing a book that I think is going to cover most of that, particularly the faction aspect. Not, I don't know if we've Perfect. announced it yet, but it's in the work. It doesn't delve down as much as the 20 year in terms of like every single unit, I don't think, but it might. Again, that's a source book thing. I do know, though, that should serve as a pretty good on-ramp for people. Like here, this good. book tells you the high-level macro view of what you need to know to play in this, this universe. So, yeah. Yeah, spectacular. Uh, we should be announcing that certainly before the end of the year. I think we'll make an announcement on that. So, uh, you know, it'll be out on the usual social media sites and such. What, so, yeah. And not to be the 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 big uh, rain on everybody's parade, but I'm kind of of the mind of you know, just amputate, <laughs> let the dark ages be. Let's just keep moving forward. We got good stuff coming. I, I really like the stuff we're doing. You know, every everything I'm reading, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is moving the timeline. I don't want to go back. Don't make me go back, John. Well, you don't necessarily have to. You can choose what you want to read. You can be like, skip that book. That does you. That doesn't work. You know that because somebody's sure going to say, "Did you read that?" And I'm going to say no, and then they're going to look at me like I'm crazy, and then I have to go read it. Well, I mean, so I understand where you're coming from. I do, but at the same time, for me, I want all the errors to be open to all. Because then you don't honestly, exclude one of my anybody. Goals, well, that's yeah, and, and now granted, we're now we're we're shoving out, not shoving out, because the, the books are already published. But we're putting out now. It's just going to be something like a glut of Dark Age, which so I I get what Charles is saying. Uh, but at the same time, for me, for fiction, if someone wants to write a story in the Second Succession War, I want them to have the ability to do that. Uh, so it behooves me 
And then I, I want to make Charles buy them anyways because he has to get the keys to read them all. And that's how that's going to work. That's, 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 my, that's my goal. One of <laughs> us. <laughs> but I do understand where he's coming from. There are some, I mean, certainly there's going to be some characters of the tail end of the Dark Age that are going to pop here and there. We're, we're not, do a, to, to put your fears at ease, Charles, there's been a big thing about how much we want to touch base on those characters in Dark Age. But we're firmly committed to moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, our dropping on one one of twenty one this year, I think set kind of the. It is the beginning of a new era in Bell. And apart from oh. the books that I just because of scheduling had to push out, like uh, Bud Will Tell, which is well received, and then Phil's Hunting Season, which is I'm crossing my fingers days away from coming out. So those who are Ooh, Merrick fans will nice. get there. Yeah, yep. It's, we're very, very we're very close. We're very close. Um, th- those are the last of the Dark Age books that we're wrapping up. When, and I thought that, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say because um, reading uh, Blood Will Tell, I thought that that was really, uh, I don't know, I think Jason did a really good job of kind of bridging that gap of this is a Dark Age character, but we're telling, but it still feels kind of like a coming of age or coming of power kind of story. So it still feels like if you don't know who Denai is before you read this story, that's okay. But just know that a lot of stuff has already happened to her. You know, she's already been through a lot. She's yes. done a lot of things. Yes. Yes. But it was a good still like, hey, we need, we kind of, and that was part of the goal. We kind of need to reintroduce these characters to fiction. And uh, yeah, Jason did a terrific job with Denai. Uh, building Wano. off, I think, Phil's, Phil's portrayal in Splinter of Hope. Um, absolutely. Wano, absolutely. One, of the, one of the best Capellan books, in my opinion, that, that has come out. Blood will tell was with the with their citizenship and being a citizen and talking about just that aspect of it. I think really gave a lot of insight into the Capellan culture, which has always yep. been bad, right? You, well, it's a bit <laughs> North, it's a bit North Korea ish, yeah. if you or will, unknown. But... Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or, or either unknown or people. And, and we, it was a little or bit of a calculated risk, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it propaganda or, <laughs> uh, but one of the things I wanted to do in that book was to pull that curtain back a bit. Jason and I talked about it before he wrote it and we realized like, well, are people going to be interested in this? Let's find out. And that was, so we, we, we tossed the dice and made the role. I, I know a fantastic writer was going to get the job done and do it well. And perception, as Andrew, as you said, I think has been very good. Uh, and to make that interesting, to make them not, oh, they're just the monolithic, I'm going to draw the North Korea parallel. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that way. They're not just the titular bad guys for this go-round. It's not the case. They're led by a bad guy. I think we draw <laughs> <laughs> but that. But, but the other thing to show is that these factions are not monolithic either. That's very important to me to show, like, look, there's there's a wide variety, and that's, that's going to affect the ghost bears as well. Dominion. There's How a so? wide variety of opinions. Uh, I can't say much more than that, but it's, it's coming soon. <laughs> it's an expect. Um, <laughs> but, but the point is, there's a, there's a wide variety of opinions inside the Capellan borders, inside the Merrick borders, inside the Steiner borders. It's not just, we're not just all in lockstep, even, even among the clan. There have been differences of opinions. They're not all as, with lockstep, we follow the clan. Good. No, that's, that's not how <laughs> human beings are. We never will be. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, but that's not how human beings are. We all think for ourselves. 
again, icons, icons of war, icons of war was fantastic. I, there's, there's a lot of people who, yeah, you, you got good and you got bad, bad public, not publicity, but you had people that felt really, really good about the book, and you had people that felt bad about the book, but there was conversation that was generated because of it. In, you know, well, the Bandit cast was. Well, they're way more prevalent than anything that's ever been published before. Yes, it's defining more of clan society that they're pulling the curtain back. And if Which it didn't awesome. meet, you know, you didn't, if it didn't meet what you thought it was, that's good, right? I mean, it's it's putting more of, of uh, a foot in the sand for this for this IP of the richness and the depth that, that we have. Um, yes. I will I will quote a certain notorious director and say I think that book maybe subverted some people's expectations. Uh, that was this was very interesting because that book originated. It was one of the things that Blaine was supposed to write but didn't have time because he was busy leading up to our anything else. So I tapped Craig, who even Blaine said he took it in a direction that it was different but it was fine, and I actually really enjoyed that. I, I mentioned that book almost every chance I get because I really like that book. Because of, as Andrew, you just said, the viewpoint is so different. It is so what people aren't expecting to see. And pulling back the curtain. Hey, the dark cast, guess what? They exist. And they do this and that and this. And they also do good things, too. They're not just all entirely criminals. And I, he did a tremendous job of that. I, that's, publishing that last year was one of the high points, I think, of just this is what we can do. And plus, it got to go back to the homeworlds again, which we don't visit often. So no. um, that, that was really cool. They were able to put that book that fit into the plot to show how it's like, how did you get the currency? Or was it the McKenna? The McKenna's right. McKenna. Well, this is the story. Yeah. Um, and it was a great story. It was, I mean, come on. It's, it's a yes. clan heist. It was Where, a very good story. Have you seen a clan heist novel? Never. So it was, <laughs> yeah, that's very enjoyable. I, I really enjoyed the tech and how he brought it together and everything. And that's how that worked. So... As a fan of BattleTech, and, and which all of you—I mean, every person that you've mentioned so far that you work with—we we know you guys are all fans of the line. How exciting is it to be charting a new course finally, not be having to wrap and tie ends together and, and that kind of thing? But you're, we're in new—we're in new waters that we haven't been in a long time. Yeah. Well, we were excited ever since the summit back in. 2018, when we started, first started planning this. And it, not, it's very thrilling. It's, I mean, the funny part is I've been putting out the books uh, kind of not, not hither and yon, but even, even fiction didn't technically have a great direction. We had Shattered Fortress. We were waiting for the DA books to kind of be clear, but we're like, well, we got to move forward. Start moving forward. And then this is the time when Brent was the director and we started plotting out with how we were going to get from A to B. Um, and it's thrilling. It's I, I, obviously, I think you guys are all agree it's long overdue <laughs> for various reasons. Um, yeah, and we're happy to be able to be, you know, more or less in charge of it. And, and be, I think, I think the story we're going to tell is going to be exciting for the fans. We're, we're thrilled to bring it to you guys and see what you think of it. And, um, yeah, I couldn't be happier though. Uh, putting it and just putting out the new fiction as well and being able to, to do that hand in glove with the source books and. Each of those products is supposed to add depth to the other. So that's how it's supposed to work. We're going to see how we pull that off. I think 
they do a great job. But yeah, it's uh, it's thrilling. It's thrilling to have this level of well control, to be quite honest, um, and and to have it back and firmly moving forward. And again, I gotta shout out to all the fans who are gonna listen to this. It's it's due to, to all of you who came back for the Kickstarter, who played the game, who showed us that yeah, I mean, this this is an IP that's over thirty five years old, which boggles my mind. And I think it's actually having one of its biggest renaissances over the last three years. Yep. And, you know, it's solely due to the fans. I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for the fans. This company wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the fans coming back and picking this up and getting into it. So there you go. So we've been told that this this next piece that's coming up, you know, past Ill Clan is the Age of Mercenaries. Can you... Elaborate anything on that, or you give us give us some juicy details on kind of what well, it, can we expect or duration. It's it's um it's it's not how to say this. It goes side by side with Ill Clan. So this is something that was kicked about uh, back when when Brent Evans was the arc, or was the, the Battle of the Clan developer, uh, and, and we want it definitely want to do that. So because we want. Basically, it's because that's how most people get into the game. It's not that it's not worthy, because it definitely is. But most people get into the game by playing a Merc unit, because it's easy. And you don't have to be beholden to one house. You can kind of go around and sample them and and have fun kind of freebooting around the universe. But two, after the Jihad, you know, the slaughter of the mercenary units, we figured, you know, mercenaries have always been a terrible battle game. GDL being a prime example. The Kelhouse. ELH. Lexington Combat Group. You know, it's, it had always been at its core. Yes, we have these great houses, but you also have these merchants that exist almost as their own house in a way. It's not quite that, but you get what I'm saying. They are a faction, a sizable faction on the board. Well, Jihad kind of gutted that, and it's time to bring them back. <laughs> so it's pure and simple. Yeah, um, because that's it's been an inter- integral part. We want to bring them back into more prominence. So. Uh, that's like I said, it's going to be happening in parallel along with it's going to be part of the clan, which is going to be strange a little bit because you know the clans typically not using them, but that doesn't mean there's not other factions out there that will. So there'll be plenty of work for those who want to uh, enter the mercenary life. That'll be that'll be fun jumping back and forth too, where you, you're not going to run out of things to read if you're jumping, you know, two faction sides, which is is fun too for players too because they usually have like a a good side and a bad side or, you know, something versus. Um, right. Are we going to see right. more units that were destroyed coming back from the ashes, like the Great Death Legion? That's a good question. I, I, we touched on that on the AMA a little bit. Um, and it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, GDL is one of those, of course, those storied units that's kind of also intertwined with the Battletech IP so much that I wouldn't say it's, it's hard to disassociate, but it's one of the first things I think any fan thinks of because usually, as you said earlier, it's kind of a jumping-off point for a lot of people. So it made sense, and also I'm going to drop this as well. I know I've talked about it previously. Uh, the other thing that I'm very excited about next month, we will be publishing the first... William H. Keith, uh, Great Death Legion in about what tw- novel in about 20, 22 years. Um, I, I have the final draft from Bill. I just have to do the polish and get it ready. That's coming up in September. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, managed to 
finagle him to write another book for us. It's a terrific one. Uh, all your favorite characters are back. It is set. It's literally set right after Price of Glory. It, it's technically it is GDO four. Um, wow. In the series. So yeah, um, it should be a great read. I can't wait to see what the fans think of it. Blast from the past. Uh, yeah, Excellent. absolutely. So, um, but but to get back to your question, Charles, um, it, it depends on what you know we're talking about and and why the big like we said it has to be an organic reason why otherwise just you know people should start their own stuff you know so i don't know at this point it depends on what people bring up x y and z like well where were they what happened to them and is there a really solid reason to bring them back you know it's gonna be that'll be an interesting little bit of fiction too because with stone's weapons to plowshare thing how many mercenary units went away because of that um right you know there's 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 some other plot points that have to be you know resolved too to explain away for you know the, the people who are following this deeply oh for um, sure for sure how does that mm -hmm. how did how did you make that work type of thing so factories are back up and running um poof <laughs> 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 Uh, what are the numbers? You're, you're absolutely right. Numbers. <laughs> uh, I'll get back to you on that. Um, yeah, the, the 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 Dark Age, and it's, it's funny. I as I'm reviewing the Dark Age books, for me, it's the first time I'm actually reading them. Very, it was a very interesting experiment that was tried with the Dark Age. That again, talk about ramifications. There are ramifications now in this era, even though we're moving beyond it, but we're not that far beyond it, and of course. Battle mechs and warships and jump ships and drop ships are not cheap or fast to make. So, I mean, you know, the economics, I'm, I'm definitely not going to get into, not going to touch it with a 20 meter pole. <laughs> but, uh, but there are some finite limits on what can be done, aside from having the several million credits to found a, um, a mercenary unit, which is what I loved about Price of Duty that Jason did with, like, well, how am I going to reconstitute this? Well, we're going to do this on this world. Like, okay, there we go. And it worked perfectly. But easy. It also was some familial, and hey, I've got some text that can reconstitute these mechs. Okay, then now we're cooking. So, it's, but but that was plausible in the game world, in the IP. It was plausible in the universe that this this could happen, and this is always going to make it happen. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's it's a question of can you come up with a plausible reason? But even more than that, why should this unit? Work? There, there's I think a big question. You know, that's the reason. Okay. When so you mentioned um, like the writer summit and stuff. So how how does that break down? Because I like we've had like uh, Blaine has talked about writer summits. You know we've had multiple people talk about those. So how do you go from the writer summit when you're coming up with like your big meta like five year plan or whatever you guys do, and then break it down into okay these are like the key points we need to hit in these upcoming stories and then like how do you like mortar those bricks together to make a cohesive wall like is, is there a process to that oh sure um and i'm gonna say that the short answer is control the chaos uh because everyone's you know certain people have certain opinions not good or bad just opinions on where the story should go so the first thing we have to hammer out is coming up with a storyline everyone agrees on uh, for this one, of course, and yes, your 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 reaction is is, is accurate in terms of the <laughs> differing, varying opinions of what should happen. 
Like, oh, that's it. But oh, for this one, it should be easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for this one, it was. I think we all went into it fairly clear, even though we discussed other options. But it was fairly clear that the ill storyline had to be carried out to its conclusion. It had been long enough. Um, you know, not that it was planned to take that long. It just like we need to. We needed to end the dark age and start the next era. And it was there was a lot of discussion over what we should do. There was going to be a time jump. We were going to jump into something. And there was some strong discussion for that. But in the end, I decided, no, we're just going to keep rolling forward as we are because we're ready to lead up to this portion of the universe. And, and let's just let's just go into it full bore and the cards will fall where they may. Once you did that, then it was a matter of, well, we have all these pieces on the board, many, 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 many pieces. And we need to isolate which ones are the most important in the upcoming story we're going to tell, what they're doing, what their reactions are, how they interact with each other. It gets complicated with when you have like eight zillion galaxies and what, over a thousand planets to deal with. But you're, you're dealing with the high-end ones, obviously. You're dealing with the great houses. You're dealing with the clans that are involved. And then just mapping out their stories and whether they're intersection points and how. And then it's a matter of finding the right authors who can handle that load of this is your part of the plot. This is you know, Jade Falcons. This is the clans. This is Wolf. This is whichever. And making sure that they're all managed properly to tell that story, both to be a satisfying story in its own and fit into the larger scope of the story as a whole. So, yeah, it's pretty complicated. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you... It's, it's great to have people who have this in-depth knowledge, both you know, on fact-checking team and the people I work with who have been living and breathing this for 10, 20, 30. So when you get those pieces of uh, points that you have to hit for storylines, how do you choose which author does it? Did someone just raise their hand like, that's mine, or you can't have that, or throw darts um, <laughs> It really depends. It, I've used everything. I've... <laughs> talk to certain authors that I feel would be a good fit but like Craig it's because he happened to be available and could ah. do the story on the timeline that I needed to be done in. so I, I have I have what I call my regulars but again always looking for more it's you know um, but there are certain portions where I needed to hand to someone I could trust was going to get it if not completely right very very close so it wouldn't need as much reworking later on. So do you have and even like so, a... some things happened? Some things happened where it necessitated writing a story because of aspects I wasn't entirely as aware of as I should have been. So, yeah. So besides like knowledge and and prior work on other novels and stories, do you have like a schedule board where you have like names tied to stories and books that are under those scheduled deadlines? Oh yeah. Yes, yes. Plugging away with, like, uh, magnets and all kinds of stuff. Well, I use a spreadsheet. Thank sure. It's much easier. <laughs> and, yeah, we are, we're well into the next year, well, the 2022, and I should really be farther. I should really be wrapping up 2022. I'm only, about halfway there, so. Do you ever get lost yeah, in figuring out yes. what year it is? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both in-game and in real time. No, no shit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's like hey, Dave, I'm trying to, t- oh, shit, I. What do you What do you mean? Oh, yeah, it is still 2020. I for, I'm sorry, I forgot. You're You're next year. <laughs> exactly. You're You're 2023. Yeah. My bad. Um. So same right. time next year. Okay. Right. Bye. 
Well, no, I got to make sure they're writing. I have to keep track of them, make sure that you're writing the story that you're going to publish in 2022. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, but yes, it's um, it's complex, many moving parts. Uh, and you really try to make sure that none of them get all through the cracks either. So, like, what, what, because it sounds like there's quite a varying timeline. Like, what, like, what, what are the extremes that where you have, like, um, you said like Craig was available and could get it done on the timeline you needed. So like, do some of these stories kind of crop up and you're like, oh man, I need to get that cranked out now? Or is it always kind of planned out ahead? Well, it's always supposed to be planned out ahead. Let's put it that way. But as, <laughs> as you folks well know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Mm-hmm. So and, and, right, scheduling novels like this is, is the exact same thing. Um, it's gotten better. It's not quite where I want it to be yet. I'm not comfortably in the Wisconsin. Part of that is because my writers that I count on can only write so much. Uh, and, and plus, the other part is, we're, as you guys have mentioned, which is great, we're entering uncharted territory, which is also a little bit tricky to make sure that the stories we're telling work in these uncharted waters effectively. So it's not like going back 100 years, like, well, I can draw on half a million words of the clan invasion down to the nth degree, and I know exactly what I need to know if I want to tell a story set there. This stuff, well, the source book's being written sometimes in conjunction with a story that's happening at the same time. So the back and forth is a little more um, sketchy in a good way, just because we're trying to make sure it all lines up properly. So that does make, sometimes deadlines are a little crazy. That can be complicated. Very. Absolutely. So... So when you have that, so when you have that process of you know this is supposed to line up with this and this is supposed to be in conjunction with that, so you, who's your go-to people? Who's your board? Who's your your checkers? Who's what do you? Well, that's that's we talked to talked to Ray and Aaron and Jason and Phil, and uh, together the five of us hammer that out. Okay, Um, and make sure as we're progressing, you know, if if Craig actually is working on the next. Um, his next project, making sure that lines up with what they have planned. We have it's spreadsheets on spreadsheets, and we share screens all the time. <clears throat> we're uh, just pulling into the next phase of things, and we just talked with an author last week about this is what you need to do for uh, Defense Sons. So, and he's like, okay. And I said, well, I need this outline in a week because that's about the time they're gonna, we're going to start ramping up for Gen Con. And I need to put this in front of Lauren because Lauren has requested that he actually wants to take a look at that. Like, okay, so I need it by X date, and that's a hard deadline. There's there's no wiggle room there. So yeah, it could be. Now it's just an outline, high points, nothing huge, but still, that's you know that can be pressure for an author to kind of get tell the right story they want to tell. Um, otherwise, I try to give my authors plenty of time to write because these are complicated books. It's, there's no two ways about it. Writing Battletech, I, I've written, I have one. I have one short story in Battletech. I don't write it because it's too complicated for me. I can edit it. I don't write it because I don't want to have to go look at 12 source books. I'm not Randall. Randall goes and digs out, like, I want to dig out 12 source books to find one item. I don't want to do that. It's like, have so it, that... Randall. Go nuts. It'll be a great story. I'll polish it and get it out to the fans. <laughs> so that brings up a question, then, of... All of your authors have, I'm assuming, a very different process for how they put a story together with um, the level of research that they do. Or, um, and, I, and I know that that probably also depends on the story and you know how that person writes. Like, 
Jason does a lot of work with with characters and, and it's really more around personal interactions and conversation where Randall, I know, does a lot more of the nitty gritty type things that really his his work shows the level of research that he does when he puts a story out because he includes that in in his writing um does that affect your choices on on authors when a particular story comes up or a particular plot line is is needing to get fleshed out is that a i know this cat does really really good research and i know that he'll he'll produce a story and and this is a real character building element this author does a really really good job with that it does it does i always i mean i want the proper balance at the end of the day these are stories about big stumpy robots shooting each other but it doesn't mean without without good characters to root for and against you just got big stumpy robots shooting each other that's not what we're going for here we're, you know this is military science fiction which i genre I take very seriously. Um, and, you know, for the, I'm going to say it on, on here, for the, the impossibility of battle mechs is, is irrelevant. The fact is that this world is created, it exists, and we want to tell the best damn stories we can in this universe. Yeah. So that absolutely impacts, like, I'm not sure at this point I would have entrusted Blood Will Tell to anyone else except for Jason. For the very fact you mentioned, that his mm. characters are always so strong. And they're always just, you can identify with them. And one of the great things he does is every story he tells, for me at least, you can identify with both sides. There's, yep. there's no real bad guys per se, except for Lau, obviously. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, and you know the Lau I'm talking about too. Um, but the point is, each side has their own goals and their own rationales for why they're doing it. And you can identify with them. He makes both sides palatable. Uh, it's not... It's not cookie cutter evil. It's not mustache twirling villain. You know I mean? <laughs> right, darn. Right. Uh, it's it's true. It's true, and that's <laughs> that's the hallmark of a very good writer. Like, well, I may not like these people, but I understand why they're doing what they're doing. Hmm. I can even identify. I'm fighting for this. I you know I find who they belong to or, or what they're doing. It may be kind of reprehensible, but I understand where they're coming from. I think that's a that's it's a a good aspect to bring to this type. Otherwise, it, it devolves into kind of pulpy space opera and there's there's some room for that here but yeah it's this is this is still character driven fiction this is this character driven and a character of ip you want heroes and villains to root for and against so yeah so yes that does factor into whom i assign to what absolutely okay thank you now we've heard a little bit of background uh from you but we we don't really know what your favorite mech or unit is do you have any favorites? <laughs> Faction? Unit? I So, mech is easy for me. Uh, it is the very first mech I bought, which was supposed to be for a friend, but I ended up keeping it for myself because I love <laughs> it so much. Um, and that, that is the Venerable Battlemaster. Ooh. I will always... The Battlemaster is number one. Um, Do you have a variant? I like the classic. I just like the idea of this big thing, you know, raising its big... PPC pistol just letting off shooting. So it's, it's, it's the classic. It's the classic, yeah. Um, I just I think it looks so intimidating on the battlefield. I really do. I really like that one. And what so, kind of color yeah. scheme you and did... what kind of color scheme and flag would you have on it? See, I'd probably be a Merc. I I, I just don't like being that a boy. <laughs> yeah. The mighty yeah. sea bill. 
<laughs> yep, yep, exactly, exactly. I want to go where I want, work for who I want, do what I want. Yeah, so color scheme, God, I, I am partial to urban camel. I, I am partial to like a like a gray blue palette. It'll be really, I think, very cool. Um, very that would be, I think, very very sweet. Um, yeah, I probably, I probably at some point probably make up my own dark unit. I, I like a lot of the units. I do that. I don't feel a particular affinity for any one over any of the others. Nice. I, I, I'm a kind of classic. I'd, I'd make my own probably. So you know, I think that would be the f- some, some rip off like that. I think it'd be that'll <laughs> be the first time we've ever heard someone choose their own for a custom, and that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you like that. Yeah, so. Indeed. Oh. Are there any topics that you've been sitting on that do you want to talk about that other people haven't asked you about? Um, you know, the folks at the AMAs really, uh, they cover a lot of ground. I do want to touch on, for Wolf, that I do want to touch on the, the last one that, that uh, Andrew sent me, which is about the fact checkers. Um, and, and funny, we had the AMA with the fact checkers, and I personally was a little concerned about what the turnout would be, but it was pretty <laughs> awesome. And the questions asked were terrific. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I just didn't know how that would go and it went. But uh, I know that, so I'm not putting this on y'all. I think you guys do a great job. But I know there have been some who have appeared as guests on the show who have been, shall we say, less than salutary about the fact that you team. Uh, I will say I am a staunch proponent of the fact checkers because as I said at the MA, they make my job like 10 times easier. That's and awesome. the simple fact is that simple fact is this is this is again a thousand years of future history. We're taking it from you know the 2100s, now we're in 3151, 52. Well, can anyone rattle off what happened in 3064, the major events of 3064, like right now without going to a book? No. That, that's the answer I expected. And I can't do that either. I can't double check because I'm managing half a dozen different projects. So the fact check team are really our unsung heroes. And the thing is that the, the future facts we make up have to line up. We can't just be going willy nilly and saying, Oh, well this battle, it was this. And now in this other book, it's this. And, and, and things are going to slip because it's the nature of the beast, but having a dedicated team to try to minimize those slip ups, just makes the world a more cohesive b i think a hundred times richer to know that we carry these lines through and it makes sense across these five source books and four novels that the 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 facts the future facts are relatively the same every time just adds to the body of lore that is the battletech universe so um i will you know obviously as a as a person working for cgi i would never speak ill of them but i can't speak ill of them because they help me out so much, I can't say enough good things about them, is what it comes down to. So there you go. I, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure we touch on that. So, yeah, and, and to clarify, and, and this might actually, after hearing our talk here for the last hour, hour and a half, I'll apologize first, because this probably will be a shot across your bow, um, but <laughs> the the comment has never really been about continuity, because... I mean, you just stated, and I will state as well, the people that ensure the continuity of the story, which is, in my opinion, one of the pinnacles 
And one of the absolute strengths of this IP is how much continuity there is. And when you start talking about the number of words and the number of books and the number of planets and units and characters, there is a, a smorgasbord of things and lines that have to that have to go together. I mean, I picture I picture the 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 board with all the pictures and all the strings that tie all of the things together. <laughs> that whenever I talk about BattleTech history and continuity, that's the first picture that comes up for me. Um, for me, the the thing that that sticks out the most is is that you know the missed dropship classes or uh, a character changing from him to her or uh, a mech variant changing in the middle of a battle. Those are the things that drive me bananas because you get these people coming from different IPs. And if I spent seven, five, eight bucks for a novel and there's these blatant mistakes in there, what happens when I go buy a a $40 source book or a $40 rule book? What kind of thing am I going to expect there? That's, that's always been when we talk fact checkers, it's something that we're learning through the conversation of there's, fact checkers which is continuity and then there's a piece that gets roped into fact checking of does the story continue do the story elements line up with that kind of thing so that's Mm -hmm. more where my conversation in my complaints if you will uh (laughs) gets me salty because i want to see us do the best that we can so that when we get new people come in that you get them hooked and, and they stay with us. So yep. maybe that's, it, it, maybe that's, that's a shit, maybe that's a shot at you and I apologize, but <laughs> no, it, it, it's a fair critique. It's a fair critique, Andrew, because now one of the things is the, the, the bloody variants you guys have all created over the past 30 years. <laughs> um, I was just, so I'm proofing blood of the Isle by Lauren and I'm trying to figure out J6 Templar bottle because it's not standard. And I had to go down, and I'm like, oh, it's like, it, 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 thankfully, Sarno had it in there. I was like, oh, this is a Dark Age variant. Like, oh, there it is. Okay. And it's like, it's like the, the 13th one down. Like, oh, my God, people. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get it. It's fun to, you guys, kit bash and mod and all this stuff. And, hey, what happens if I slap, you know, two LRM20s on this thing instead of lasers? I get it. That's part of the fun of the IP. It's terrific. It is a brain-shattering, migraine-inducing thing to try to keep it. <laughs> straight in oh, yeah. the fiction and i've caught i've caught the errors myself looking at the books i've caught timeline errors actually a fairly major one i caught in the proving grounds trilogy which i went in and fixed because it was a mess i'm gonna say that right out i just went ahead and fixed it because it didn't make any sense um yeah, good so i've seen those i've seen those but you know and you're right Andrew, so the answer is we try to do the very best we can it would be probably a smart thing fiction to have the author's list, like, this is the mech, this is the variant I'm using, and this is... So that way, you know, when they're reading it, like, compare this, otherwise, the factors go and look them up. They, they, they spot them. They're very good about spotting them. They're not going to catch them. So I might have to think about the policy, like, look, if you're using something that's not baseline, you need to mark it for us that we know you're using. Which I don't have a problem, as long as it's clear up front. Hey, I'm using this version of the Templar, for example, that has this and this instead, not this, this not your basic loadout. Yeah. That's where we get into trouble. Um, yeah. So no, that, it, it, it's, a, it's a reasonable, I think it's a reasonable expectation 
And I say that knowing there's, you know, millions upon millions upon millions of words of fiction and sources we've written. But it's reasonable expectation. If you set something up here and you haven't changed it in the story, then it's, they're still going to have that here. And it shouldn't change a reason. Well, it got blown apart. I had to reconfoogle it. Now it's this version. Well, that's fine. That's an in-story change. But suddenly it's like, well, you had a madcap, but it had this instead of this. Like, well, okay, now I'm taken out of the story. So I get exactly where you're coming from. It bugs me too. And I try to make sure it doesn't happen. So, yeah. And showing well, and continuous improvement, like, you know, adding to policies is, is, is always a great thing for a company in itself too, where it's, you know, we're, we're always looking for constant improvement um, and it just makes a better team. And that's, yep. that was something that was something that we took away from Aaron too was the learning experience, especially over from Divided We Fall to uh, uh, Hour of the Wolf. Just the process and the procedure and communication seems to be getting a lot better and make it work better. So, and again, that will lead to less errors and and better and better stories as well. So, Well, one of the things we did last year that I made a priority was to put together uh, an updated, which it's totally needed, an updated writer's guide, which we now have. It is now a like 35-page document um, listing the most common things, you know, how to do, how, how to put the forward-facing apostrophe in front of Mac, for example, on both Windows and Mac machines. You know, uh, one of the biggest things it has, it has in one place, it has all of the military... Uh, officer and classifications and one table for every single um, faction that meets it, from clans to all the interior houses. It has lieutenant, or however you pronounce that, to, to star colonel and everything in between. You know, like nice. That alone is worth, you know, because it, we, I don't think we ever had that before. And that, again, was a DAC special, and he brought it up like, this is fantastic. It's, it's a living document. We, we, we had to modify it every six months. We had to update it with stuff that's you know, changes we've made. Things that we didn't see. It, it doesn't say static at all. It's the first, no. I think the very first time was the next week after we, we kind of released it to the author. Like, well, got to make that change. Okay, got to do that one. So, living yeah. Documents. But it's still, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing to have. It's a great thing to have because this gives you a calculation. This is what you want to write. This is what you need to know. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. I think we have covered. Oh, there's. You hey, guys baby. had asked. Uh, the, actually, the follow-up question I wanted to talk about is: What kind of, kind of mix of novellas, novels, and anthologies are you shooting for? Which is a good question. Um, real quick, obviously, the novels are going to be the spine of the fiction line. They're the ones people look forward to the most. They're the ones that sell the best. But I'm finding there is a, a just as much passion for not only the novellas but these these short like. Why do we fall with about 36, 37,000 words? The short, what I call a short novel. Not a full length, but it's a complete story. And there's just as much, I think, interest in those too. Um, so I look for it. A lot of it is, what's the story we're telling? And what length is that story best served at? Some things are 20, some are 40, some are 80, some are 170. Those, aren't, <laughs> those are rare. Um, but it, it's, it's, you know, what length is that story served? I'm a big fan of saying, you know, the story should be as long as it takes to tell it, but at the same time, you've got to have some limits. Um, so the mix is, you know, I certainly want, I think the novellas are good because AI, again, repackage those, and get them out in print, but they're also good for authors to cut them, their teeth after short stories. Um, they've done some short fiction for us, and then we want to give them something a little longer, see if they can handle 
a bigger scope tale. But I'm, I'm, I would love to be publishing, uh, if I had the, the writer's for it and the schedule for it, I'd love to be publishing a novella every month as well. Um, you know, the novels are still going to be like... Every Damn it, Charles, sharpen your pen and schedule. get going. Well, <laughs> pretty much, although, I, yeah, it's Charles, I think we need, we need to see him in shrapnel first a couple of times, and then, uh, then we can talk about something. Charles, right. well, I Charles got one down. It. He's got one in. One in. Yeah. Oh, okay, uh... I'm sorry, I should have recognized your name. I no, it's all right. <laughs> should have you. <laughs> nah. Well, That's all good, man. One story. Now, after, you know, three, four, then I'll be like, come on, John. We know each other at this point, but until then. We both don't shave. Until then, we're both good. Yeah, we're beard brothers. What was this What right. was this, uh, right. What was this? bet you had? To, you had to cut some of it off? Um. Okay, so during the pandemic, I just let it go. And, and uh, Charles is, is quite magnificent. And I wanted to see how far I could take it. And yeah, it was about, about that length. And I just let it go and people were really enjoying it. My wife, not so much. But, um, <laughs> and so the stream I do, Crossing the Streams here, I, I uh, play D&D on a stream twice a month with uh, some friends of mine of the Infinity and Beyond crew. They're great people. And the guy who runs it is a DM. Uh, his mother passed from cancer. So every year on Memorial Day, he runs a Demon Runyon uh, a fundraiser, raising money for cancer research. And I said, That's Look, awesome. We hit, I, and so, and I, we play a big 12 hour game every year. It's great. And I said, Look, we hit 5K. I think he said a 2,500. We hit 5K. The beer will come off and I'll record it and I'll send it to you guys. And they hit 7,200, which was phenomenal. And I said, Here it comes. And I, I called it the shavening. I, I videotaped the whole thing. <laughs> the <all> shavening. <laughs> Sent it to them. It was, they, it was fantastic. It's a good group. They come up, they always come up. But 7,200 blew us all away. I did not expect that much. Um, so, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. And I, my wife, oh, my wife was happier too. So, <laughs> I, it's a good cause. You, you, you are a good man, sir, because I. I I'd never be able to put my beard up for auction or as a reward. Never. Never. I'd rather shave Matt's head. No. I mean. <laughs> but what if, what if you were throwing oh, down with like Jordan Weissman? What if you were throwing down with Jordan Weissman and Mike Mulvihill and loser's head to shave? Oh, yeah. Well, peer pressure then. <laughs> it's, the, it's the beard off. It's it has to be off. an official yeah. bajal. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those are the, those would be the terms. Absolutely. So. Well, one thing I wanted to, to say quick, John, um, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll go to break and all that good stuff, but um, just in the time that we've been talking, um, people have recognized your icon, um, like from your emails, because it's the same icon, and people have literally reached out to me while we've been talking saying, hey, just let John know we appreciate all the good stuff he's been doing and all the good fiction that's been coming out. So I wanted to pass that along Aww. while we were still on the air. Well, that's thank you. Thanks. I didn't. Are we streaming live? Are we actually doing this live? No, this is no. recorded. <laughs> on okay. On, well, the dis, look. on the on the Discord server, they can see that we're in the podcast channel, but it's a very limited crew oh. that can actually go okay. in there. So they right. see that we're doing a podcast, but they can't interact with us there. So <laughs> okay. Well, hey, everyone, thank you very much again. I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for everyone who picks up the fiction who reads it who enjoys it who buys it and who spreads the word so i and you know I, I really like <laughs> who listens to it absolutely that's true no i really i like doing this kind of work um i like editing i like bringing these stories and making them the best they can be and it's gratifying to know that that it gets that kind of perception 
So I appreciate that. Thanks for passing that along, Charles. That's great. It makes it, it makes it all worthwhile. It really does to know yeah, that sure. people are waiting for this stuff, picking it up, and eagerly waiting for the next installment. So yeah, I love hearing that. <laughs> never, never get enough of that. So. <laughs> All right, so we're coming up with uh... no. I, you, you guys, you guys had some really great questions. I, I don't think I can't think of anything else. I mean, this is the AMA. I, I we we covered, you know, the the broad basis of uh, of what I do for Catalyst. So yeah, really, really good stuff. And it's a fun time. I had, I had a really great time on the show. And we're so, going to cover even more topics too. If you want to jump in with us, uh, just hang on. We'll go to break here and talk to our sponsor quick. Sure. And this history Absolutely. brief with Charles Gideon brought to you by Aries Games and Miniatures, uh, where you can find your uh, source of uh, plenty of good products by uh, Catalyst Game Labs as well. On this episode of Wolfnet History Briefs, even the longest journey ends with a final step. Hello, Wolfnet, and welcome to this installment of Wolfnet History Briefs, where we look at what happened this month in the Battletech timeline. I'm Gideon. Let's begin. To celebrate this episode, which marks two years of history briefs, I would like to try something unique and ask that you might humor me as I believe it will provide a special insight into this month's topic. If you have been following the history briefs from the beginning, you may recall the first brief where I discussed the Kantara's Massacre. Now, I would ask that you take a moment and think about the 700-some-odd days since you first heard that brief. Every sunset, every cool breeze, every night you laid down in your bed or couch or recliner, I'm not one to judge, even the gravity presumably holding you down right now. Now replace those two years of memories with four metal walls, stale air carrying the smell of human filth, plastic sleeping pods piled high on top of each other, and weightless floating in the cold emptiness of space. Why would I ask you to do all this? Well, Wolfnet, that is what the remnants of the Star League Defense Force and their civilians endured during Operation Exodus, and for roughly the same amount of time. Which is why the 24th of August, 2786, is a day still celebrated among the clans. So, to recap, you might recall General Alexander Kerensky struck out into the periphery from New Samarkand, November of 2784. He had in tow some 2 million SLDF troops and 4 million civilians. These people put all their faith in the man who had led them to victory over Amaris the Usurper, and were literally willing to gamble their lives on him. But the fleet's progress was slow. Kerensky ordered extensive measures be taken to prevent any of the great houses from following the fleet's path. Beyond this, many of the fleet's ships were purchased in the last months before the beginning of the journey and many were worn before the trip started. Every breakdown slowed the fleet even longer, and days turned into weeks, which turned into months. Many began to have cold feet about the entire operation, questioning if this was all some sort of fool's errand. This brings us to the 19th of August, 2785, nine months into the trip. During a jump, nine ships, including a Texas-class warship, broke from the fleet and made a run for it. Unfortunately for them, Kerensky had predicted the mutiny, and what followed was a month-long chase through the deep periphery, jumping from system to system. 
Finally, the ships were caught and retaken by Kerensky's fleet. The high-ranking officers were executed, and the message to the rest of the fleet was clear. There would be no welching on this bet. Every man, woman, and child was going to have to see this journey through, one way or another. The fleet continued to grope forward into unexplored space, and there was a time of peace. But slowly, the old cracks began to reveal themselves again. An entire year passed after the mutiny, but nearly every ship was just a matter of days or weeks from boiling over into full-blown rioting. Violent crime was increasing, repressed sadistic tendencies surfaced, and weekly murders became common for ships across the fleet. Humans simply weren't designed to live in these conditions for these lengths of time, and Kerensky saw the writing on the wall. Now we come across a point of contention. No one is certain what Kerensky had in mind. One school of thought is that he had a planned destination all along, but didn't dare share it with anyone for integrity of the mission. Others say he was traveling until he came across the right planet. I personally lean toward the second camp because of the writings of his closest confidant, General Aaron de Chevalier, which hint at hoping and searching, but speak nothing of certainty. But regardless, on the 24th of August, 2786, after 657 days of travel, Kerensky declared they had arrived. They found five systems, which became known as the Pentagon Worlds, mostly habitable, and where they would finally disembark from their ships and focus on making a new home. This is Gideon signing off, and remember, those who fail to learn from history are doomed. And that was This History Brief with Charles Gideon, brought to you Irish. Aries Gamers Miniatures, and we're back with uh, John Helfers, and we've had a great uh, show tonight. Uh, next coming up, we're going to talk news and community with uh, the Elk Clan Sourcebook. Now, from what I gather, I mean, I just skimmed through it, you know, the PDF, and all I looked for was people I knew. And that was the fun <laughs> part, where I saw some crawls names. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> now I don't know if you guys want to do this but sometime in the future I want to get basically the picture of us taking an airfield and put it in like a frame and put it on my wall <laughs> where I can say yeah I was fictionally there I was fictionally there <laughs> my, my favorite part of the whole thing is it said there's a line in there like the 7th commando withdrew which means that there were survivors. There were people who got away. So that means... The Jade Falcon aerospace fighter didn't gun all of us down. Didn't get everybody. <laughs> didn't get didn't everybody. Get everybody. But oh. you don't know who made it out, right? No. Well, they, they only left one storyteller to leave. I don't think we killed you guys in the book yet. Only in the book either. I, I remember that scene. No, I don't yeah? think so. What, what else was involved? Well, it was... Yeah. It was, it was, I actually had, I, I reached out to Schmetzer after I finished Blood Will Tell just to <laughs> give him well done. And we started chatting a little bit back and forth with the Dragoon novel that he's working on. And I said, just, just make sure that, that, that you do right by me. And, and if I'm going to die, make sure I do it well. Okay. He said, well, one of you's already dead. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? 
Please let it be the he other says, cousin. Oh, the, he said the air filled. And I'm like, oh, well, that's okay. He, we, don't, we don't care about air. No, I said, it was left hanging. We don't necessarily know what happened to them. He's like, oh, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a fun little conversation that I had with him. And, and uh, I actually took a picture of all of it, and I left out the piece that we were going back and forth with, and I sent it to Aaron and left it with it that – Dude, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then I let him sit on it for about five minutes. You and got, you got run over by your own NPC. Uh, <laughs> I, I talked him out of it. We're okay. <laughs> now, I have to ask Andrew a question because I, wanted, I, I should have go back and probably listen to the podcast after Hour came out. but I, Because I didn't. But I want to know what Andrew's reaction was when he found out that for that brief moment. He was actually in command of the Dragoons, his character in the book. You know, it was it was absolutely spectacular, and at the same time, it felt like I was the least least best choice. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wreck your keyboard for that. Wreck it. Second to last. So, <laughs> no, it was it was spectacular. I mean, it it got a, it got a little teary eyed and it got a little excited because I mean that's that's something I've been a dragoon fan for. I mean, really since I started rolling dice to play the game when I was a freshman in college, um, and to have that Sweet. one be one yeah. be one be in a book, two be a dragoon, and three end up being in command. Uh, you <laughs> as as a fan, you can't ask for more. And it yeah, was. It doesn't really happen. It was spectacular. It was very. So, I was, know. Blaine was chortling when he told me that. Everything he's like, I can't wait to see the look on his face. And yeah, I'm like, huh? yeah, I can't either. So good. I, I'm glad that was everything. <laughs> everything it could be and more. I'm happy. To so that's really it, it was. I I really cannot express gratitude and thanks enough for making all of that happen and and for everyone there allowing it to happen. Um, it's. Yeah really a dream come true you can't ask for more excellent excellent so what did we think about the source book dale clan source book you've got a couple uh, yeah, pages again. in there uh <laughs> yeah aaron's I, got a <clears throat> aaron's got a paragraph i think i honestly have not had a lot of chance to look at it because i've i've been busy building terrain and and this last this last week i had um Thursday, Saturday, I have this coming Wednesday, I have a tournament to do on Saturday, this coming Saturday. So I've been really busy out in the community and, and introducing people to the game and it, it's been wonderful. We've met I've met a lot of really good people. Um, people are excited once they've once they've had a chance to play. Um, uh, Todd Balthazar. Uh, he showed up. I was playing with uh, Chad Orson. He's uh, one of the individuals at the Source Games and Comics here in Minneapolis who actually brought back Iron Winds into the store and actually has it on on the wall again because Ooh. they are selling. And you know he's he's upset that they didn't spend you know sixty thousand dollars on Wave One because he would have been able to sell everything that that he would have gotten in. Uh, we're having a great turnout for Battletech here in, in Minneapolis and I'm trying to get out and do what I can to do that so I haven't had a lot of chance to sit and read it's been work and kids running for sports and and then all of this with with Battletech and then also trying to get ready for Battle Barn so it's 
it's on my list to do. <laughs> I'm glad there was Wait, so I'm much. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Battle Barn. So <laughs> in, what, is, what is Battle Barn? So Battle Barn is uh, we we met we met uh, Ryan Kimmel two years ago. Uh, we ran out there. We ran out to Indianapolis uh, to go meet some folks that were interested in our little 350 format thing that we're doing. And they had us meet at the Battle Barn. And Ryan Kimmel has put up, uh, I think it's like a 50 by 100 garage, two-stall two garage that's too deep. That's basically just gaming. He's got tables all the way around the outside. And uh, that hold, I think he's got seven 3D printers in there, shelves for holding terrain. He's a big 40K guy. And that garage mm -hmm. ended up being a place that he could conduct um, painting sessions and do gaming. And uh, we had such a good time. And, and he was kind enough to let us use it over the Gen Con weekend. Um, because when there was conversation around Gen Con being held, there was so much uncertainty of what are they going to allow, how many people are going to be there, and people kind of needed to be able to start making plans. So they asked us whether we could do something off outside of Gen Con. And Brian said it was open and available, so we're going to be running um, Battletech events Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, at, at the Battle Barn. So, uh, which... Which we're we're about 45, 45 minutes southwest of the Indiana Convention Center, so it's okay. it's we're out a little ways, but um, bit of a hike. We bit did of a hike. bit of a hike, but we did that just to to calm some people, and and I know that I think we've got ten, twelve, fifteen people that I know are going to be there the entire weekend with us. That uh, we've got events scheduled for every day and and we're, we're doing a little mini a mini convention a little battletech convention there so uh it should be yeah, a lot cool. of fun should be a lot of fun yeah, sounds, sounds like it okay <clears throat> are you gonna be are you gonna be at gen con this year uh unfortunately no um uh, due to personal circumstances i'm unable to make any conventions this year so 2022 is gonna be my return hopefully to the circuit. Oh, good. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that'll be a lot of people's return to the convention yeah, circuit. Yeah. I, I hope I hope everyone, you know, stays safe, stays healthy. Does gaming is great, but you know, just take care of yourself. That's the important thing. So yep. absolutely. So on to more news. We've got uh, the wave two verification emails are out. I'm still waiting for mine. Uh, yeah, yeah I think I think it. most people are. I think like uh, monitoring like other discussions and different uh, like Facebook groups and stuff specifically about the Kickstarter. A majority of people are still waiting. I think and they're so, checking their emails must... like every three hours a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this first wave were the test guys to make sure that the process works and. Uh, Hopefully that's the case, and we start seeing some things. I know Chris Hesby got his stuff, and he, but Seneca got his stuff as well. So uh, we we know it's happening. Did anybody else um, see like the stack, like the stack of pro uh, product? Like that that's gonna be the new thing. Like if you, when you get your wave two, build a pile, a pyramid, an igloo. Do you guys? A do you guys cube of it. Got, 
Do you guys not remember the stack of shit I had on the table for wave one? I can't even, I don't even remember what I ordered for wave two. I don't know what's coming. I know it's going to be a lot. That's Those are some of the fun things too that people are asking. Like, I can't remember. So how, how where do I, oh my gosh, I need to check this. <laughs> like, am I going to have room in my house I, and garage? And <laughs> I think I just need to start scheduling. got it all first. So, right. Just start scheduling. Mark it off. As it comes in, oh, I need to start, still missing T-shirts. No, <laughs> I need to start scheduling a date night with my wife every week now until it shows up, so I can build up good good community for when the number of boxes and stuff show up. I believe I that's say, called brownie well, points. Brownie points. There we go. Thank you, Tommy. Um, then again, the, people are getting the Shilone. And hey, cool and I wanted that? to say, absolutely one of the classiest and well done things that you, Catalyst as a whole has done, in my opinion. The Shalone fighter that ended or gave us that 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 year reprieve, and here's a bonus thing, and we're gonna end end the Kickstarter with that. That was classy, very very cool. I don't know whose idea it was, but Johnson Corner Office. That was that's well done. Well, but probably Lauren or Randall. I know one of those two, I'm sure. And keeping so those, a lid on. One of those who gets the credit. Just hearing the rumors yeah, for several days of just we... like, what? No, no. And the I, disbelief of just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? And also and like, I, I guess, pictures guess, of it like, what? Yep. But then I guess I guess some German company actually spilled the beans ahead of time. Ah, figures. I don't know how. I'm yeah, not sure what I, so and then it got I, out in, in Europe and then spread over here. Yeah, so because I, I, I kind of jumped all over that rumor mill, which I, looking back, maybe I you know shouldn't have because I, I was like totally 50-50 at the time. I was like, nah, this isn't real. Somebody photoshopped because it was their shipping list over <laughs> in Germany or whatever. Like they got their shipping confirmation, mm-hmm. they got their shipping list, and on it it said Shalom Salvage Box. And I was like, somebody's making this up, but how perfect <laughs> is it if they are making it up? Like that – like. If it's not real, it's what should have been real. And then I found out <laughs> that it was real. And then I was like, oh, I kind of... You're like, shiza. Yeah, sp- yeah, spilled beans. Sorry. <laughs> but, but yeah, well, no, no that's, that's speculation. You're, you're, speculation is one thing. Because you're not confirming or denying it. Like, that was kind of what they said. If it, like what you just said, if it wasn't real, it should be in it. Oh, it is really. Oh, that's amazing. But yeah, that's fine. But someone in Germany actually spilled it without we didn't want it. But no, it's just, again, it's a thank you, A, for everyone's patience, because we know it's been an effort to get to this point. A lot of it completely out of our hands, obviously. You know, we've, we've tried to, but we try to keep up to you guys, everyone up to date. This is what's happening. Here's where we are. This is what we hope to have happen. And, you know, for the most part, people have been good. There's been some squeaky wheels, but everyone has been patient understanding that, get that the a picture of this magnitude. Yeah, a bucket of it, a whole bucket of it, exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, of this magnitude, it, it's no parts are gonna, it's not gonna be perfect. But you know, I think the majority of the fans were patient. They understood this was a Herculean undertaking, and again, that could have been done without everyone. So, yeah. I I had read something here today that was kind of secondhand, but they were saying that it is twenty four grand now to ship a forty foot container from the east, and it's two years out before it shows up two years ago that same shipping was a thousand dollars and it showed up in 45 days wow so i can't speak to the two years i can say that that about 
sounds unfortunately about right. So I can't speak to the there's time been... frame. That seems that seems insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. But uh, so. I, I gotta, I gotta. So we're on the Kickstarter thing, and I pulled up the Legends book, and I was just scrolling through it, and I ran across this, uh, this guy called Jamie Wolf, and it reminded me that in the Kickstarter we're supposed to get a story about the origins of Wolf's Dragoons, and I think I've got the guy that may have the answer to that here right now, and I'm dun, just dun, curious, dun. where, where, <laughs> where are we at with that there, big guy? Ah, it's uh. Well, Damn it, Andrew. I mean, I mean, it's, here's the thing. It's coming. It is coming. Um, will you see the entire founding of the Clans trilogy before that? Probably. Okay. Um, mainly because because Randall has written the first draft of Book Plea. Uh, Den of Wolves, no. We, I, I bug Lauren about it. From what I understand, a certain part is done, but a certain part by another certain author needs to be done. That's, that's all I can say about that. And uh, At some point... Okay. Who's the holdup? Who, some, of us, <laughs> some of us need to say, go and you, you need me to make other other calls. I can, I can take care of that for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know the fans are looking for that one. Um, I can say that uh, the next Honor and Glory piece by Blaine, uh, I have the draft in, I have covered in, I just need to give that uh, a review and get that out at the Jade Falcon Elemental. We have a great cover for that. I think it's by Eldon, Eldon Calger, who's one of my favorite new authors. He did the piece on. on the cover of the Proliferation Cycle, and he's amazing. He's so good. So, so yeah, uh, that that should be coming shortly. You've talked. You've talked that you've got quite a few things in in how how many pieces of fiction do you have on your desk right now that are in final stages? I think you have, I'm. From our conversation, I th- I've got like five items. I think is what you've talked it's about. Probably like thirty-seven. <laughs> it, it's somewhere in between. Um, I have Blaine's next complete novel called "No Substitute for Victory," Ooh. set in the Jade Falcon OZ. It's coming out later uh, next month, as I said, is Bill Keith's called "Rock in a Hard Place," is a new GDL 1.0 novel. And I have uh, Randall's uh, book two of Founding of the Clans. I've got to get that final pass through to get back to him to get that out. So that's three complete novels that are on my desk. Uh, Craig's business with um, Tamar Reach. I got the, his story is going through edit, but I think I, I, I think Phil's got that. But I'm overseeing it, so there's that. Um, Phil's pulling together Shrapnel Six. So, but he's he's primarily on that one. And then I've got Brian Young. Who Brian just won uh, a Writers Award, Utah, the Utah Writers Group for Honors Gauntlet, which we're very pleased with. Oh, um, so fantastic! He's now our award-winning battle, yeah, our award-winning battle writer. And I've got we're talking about getting him uh, his next story. Uh, working on that, we're working on outlines and stuff like that to get him back into the fold more. And uh, Michael Ciavello, we are talking with another, but that's further down the project. Uh, Jason is writing, as we mentioned, his uh, Wolf Dragoons novel. The aftermath of the Battle for Terra. So that's, of course, I'm sure a lot of people are anxiously looking forward to that. So, and then <laughs> I have to process the uh, story 6 through 10 for ELH, the, the oh, wow. yeah, Omnibus Anthology. That's Those are in varying stages. Anthology. Um, yep. And uh, there's a third there's a third Battlecore anthology that needs to come out that I need to finish up called Honor Code. 
uh, that we have the stories, we just need to put that out too. It's one of the ones we, are, we were doing originals before the site kind of ended. And, you know, Slack Tide and Gray Markets, and that's the third one of the originals. i got to put that out. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot. And then for novellas, I talked about um, Blaine's, Jade Falcon 1. We have the uh, the wolf. We have the wolf one from another author that it needs to be modified and edited too. So that's got to come out before hopefully the end of this year. I get to get it off the plate. So yeah, somewhere between five and thirty-seven. I think that's what I came down. To. <laughs> yeah. How many? How many pieces? How many pieces of fiction? How many pieces of fiction do you do you anticipate getting out yet before the end of the year? Well, the novels, uh, and hopefully the two Honor and Glory pieces that are left. And I still have uh, Kevin's uh, serial novel. I start getting that worked out. So a bunch, a lot. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> pin out a number. And then sure. there's also two, there's also two uh, Schmetzer Dragoon stories that appeared in Battlecore that I want to get out ahead of his new novel. Uh, about wow. 40,000 okay. words, like short novels. So it, it's pretty clean. I just got to get them into shape and get them out there. But I also need cover art. So several. Were those Schmetzer stories published on Battlecore, or are they were they was, from the as archives? As far as I know, it, no. As far as I know, it's it's the longest day and Folly's children, I think, and I think they right. were both published. Yep. yep. But yep, it's time to bring them back to a larger audience. So yeah, just like just like Redemption Rift. <clears throat> um, so those two as well. So yeah, um, because okay. you know, there's there only 300 people saw those, maybe 50. So, yeah. I've heard some uh, some people asking about how uh, New Avalon is going to turn out in the near future, and uh, the anticipation is just aching at them. <laughs> to yeah, find well, out how it backfills. We were just talking. <laughs> we were just talking about that literally last Thursday. That was pretty much the entire plot meeting. Was wow. what's happened with the Fed stuff? Yep, and I can't say any more about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we talked about it. That's it. Well, we brought it up. That's fine. Um, but, uh, somebody, somebody was bringing up about uh, you know with the Kickstarters and their canon characters, and and it was funny that they they noticed that they got both of them approved, and <laughs> talking through the powers that be, that wouldn't it be funny if it was two characters on the opposite sides of the rifle? Wouldn't it be hilarious if that a Kickstarter be... canon, canon character killed himself? Yeah. Killed each other. <laughs> like, like, reads a book and he's got you know this side of the novel where it jumps from one faction to the other, usually, usually two factions back and forth. And uh-huh. oh, I'm so and so and blah blah, and here's his other canon character. I'm so blah and blah, and she's developing history, and then they meet each other in battle battlefield. Damn it! I just killed me. Well, at least well, I one if left I over. ever wanted. <laughs> If, if I ever wanted someone to kill a character, two characters facing, so I think I'd watch Schmetzer to write that because, again, he'd make you identify with both of them. So, so if, there you go. If David so you could be happy and sad at the same time. If David Elsiger, exactly. If David Elsiger has two characters, they should definitely kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, there you go. They kill each other. And Mark's be standing off, and they unroll, and they both die. Mutual destruction. That's right. Neither yep. one of them should survive. We're just kidding, but. <laughs> Ironic. That would be stupendous. That would be. That would. That would be something. That'd be something. And then we got stuff coming up. Where hey, gotta get your uh, the events coming up with the Battle Barn, Gen Con, three fifties. 
6Ks, 8Ks, cadets. So make sure you're getting something your else that... armies painted and ready for organizing and transportation. Get those cases ready. The, three... Crap, the 350 will be a premier event, so you got to make sure that you got paint. And I just had a conversation with uh, the CSO artist Kevin Witt last week, and Kevin is going to do a two-hour paint session uh, Friday from five to seven um, at the Battle Barn. So he should be posting something on the Facebook group here shortly on uh, priming your miniature and then what to bring. I'm not entirely sure all of the things that he's going to cover because we talked about a lot of different things, um, but that should be a lot of fun. Um, Kevin is a great, a great guy and he's very engaging. He is extremely humble and that should be a really fun thing to do. So um, be on the lookout for that. That was, that's been really the only major thing that that's changed. Uh, we will be moving the 6k from Saturday night to Friday night because I'm hearing from a lot of 350 people that they want to try that 6k game as well. So they can't really do it while the tournament's going on. So we're going to no. shift things around a little bit and make that work. So uh, hopefully we'll be getting a new um, poster updated agenda, a new agenda out with, with updated times and things. Just know that we've got things going on and uh, show up. You're going to have a good time. So why, why have you been hiding this from me, Andrew? You know, I haven't hidden it. I haven't okay. hidden it from you. I just just hiding sealed what? the deal here this last week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, no, you, you know Kevin is my favorite. I mean, nothing against. I know. He was, he was, I'm waiting for the right time to... And you'll have you'll right. have all nothing week with him. Cracker Box, all great artists, but man, you'll have all week with him. You can follow him around as long as you don't have an event going on. <laughs> what, what what day did you say is my favorite. Uh, it would be Friday from five to seven. Sure, it has to be during the 6K. No, we are not having the 6K. Will start after that. Yeah, we're not gonna. Oh, we're not gonna double six, double slot stuff. That not gonna make you choose. No, that would make people <laughs> get really fussy. That'd be cruel. The 6K will be at seven, and we'll play until people want to be done. Because that that's Friday night, and that'll be the mid mid deal. Depending on some of us, uh, might turn in a little early because we've got to get ready for the tournament on Saturday morning, but. Um, that we, we're not going to overlap that and, and make people choose. So we've had a lot of great people, uh, asking us questions last minute or whenever they can catch us on discord messenger, things like that. And we just want to thank you for asking and finding out what you need to know and what you would like to know, because sometimes we don't have the answers, but we will try and find the answers as long speaking as it... of that, <laughs> speaking knew, of there that, you go. um, <laughs> The, in the in the current 350 channel, there's a lot of conversation around modification of miniatures. Um, I am talking with uh, Ray and Mary, who is the demo team XO agent, and we are working on some language for that. Um, I'm not going to say more than that until I get till it till we get the wording right, and then I'll get that put out. So just I'm I'm working on that. It, it's coming. And that will help people getting into the gaming or people who want to do things the way they want to. That'll give them clarification, maybe. And just remember that if you are coming from other game systems, that, you know, not every game system works the same way. And 
Um, please be understanding in that there there are ways that that things have to be done, and and uh, also understand that we are doing things specifically to ensure that we are supporting the IP and that uh, we're we're following certain guidelines because you know ultimately we would really like to see this be somewhat official or official um and that that's what we're striving for so there are certain decisions and certain certain things that we need to abide by to ensure that that we're doing right by that so and can continue um, to do those things yeah otherwise we don't want to rustle any feathers and that way the the fans can get what they need um, we doing sick call? Oh yeah, I gotta give him a shout out. There you go. All right, we'll give uh, gotta give Dale Eda a shout out. Um, Dale has helped us. Uh, we're we've been working on some things on the side with him, with regards to 350. Um, we've got uh, some new bunkers. We've got uh, a King of the Hill template. We have the domination. Uh, and we've just got some really, really neat 3D things that, that he whipped up for us. Um, we are going to start talking about potentially having uh, some 3D terrain, uh, a, th- a terrain pack to buy that you could 3D print for uh, 350 games. Uh, we're, we've talked about it. We need to move forward with that, but know that that's in the works. But Dale, uh, Dale had a, an accident a number of years ago, and he recently went through some surgery to get it all sorted out. And I know that he said that he had to learn how to walk again. So um, I'm glad he's back up and, and around and, and uh, continued good health and, and keep getting better. So Yeah, as long, along with other people, too, like um, Cracker Jack Box is uh, recovering still as well, too, from his accident. And... Now that you said that, I want to give them a congratulations because their little girl was born today. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, I think she was, she's five weeks early. She's five, five pounds, 10 ounces. Um, I believe that her first name was Vivian. So, uh, damn it, I don't have it up right away, but um, to, to Ray and his wife, congratulations. Um we're very, very happy for you. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody have any other questions or comments, concerns right now? No. Then I no, I think we'll we should sh- probably jump. Yep. Shift it right over to shout out. So uh, since you are the guest, uh, John, would you like to give some shout outs to whoever you want? Oh, man. Uh, there's actually just way too many people. i probably be here for a half hour. So once again, I am going to give a shout to all the fans. Uh, again, none of us here at Catalyst could do what we do without y'all, and uh, we, this is why we do it. Talking to you, at, playing with you guys at Max, Masters and Minions, or talking with you at the booth, or just having an AMA, or just seeing the love that you fans continue to show for this uh, IP is just amazing. So I'm going to be a blanket shout out to all of the Battletech fans, old and new, who have come over here and keep playing the game, and keep reading the fiction, and listening to it, and everything you do to keep uh, moving it forward. So it is greatly appreciated. Awesome. Andrew. Yeah, I'm going to give a uh, first shout out. I got to give out to uh, Ben Kleinfelter. Uh, ben was in town all week this week. Um, his wife is a 
roller skate instructor and they had cool. a big roller skating thing going on here in Minneapolis and she came in to teach and he came along for the ride and he reached out to me and said uh can you teach me alpha strike he's an old old classic player and he wanted to learn alpha strike and play 350 and we've got we got games in thursday saturday he came over here for a little while today got another game in and i wanted to say thank you to him for reaching out and um being awesome it was great being able to sit and talk with him and and shoot the shit about BattleTech and something that we both love so that was really awesome thank you for making the call and it it went to show i mean i think we've we've also talked about here about other people in wolfnet um reaching out and just people showing up to help or just getting together like bethards is in virginia right now and i know that he's working his tail off on on off hours um getting together and playing alpha strike and showing people 350 out there as well. Um, that's, that's what our community is, is about. It, we're, we're creating friendships online and thankfully when we get an opportunity to do it in real life, we're, we're following through, which is awesome. Um, I'd like to also give a shout out, Matt, you brought up, uh, Aussie Australia is under a, a very tight lockdown. Um, give a shout out to our Aussie listeners and, hang in there it's hopefully we can start seeing the end of the tunnel here soon but um stay safe and then um i want to give one one last one to shane joe and ian um shane is a 40k player here in minneapolis and he reached out to me and wanted to see alpha strike and he brought along a couple more folks and we played on on saturday at gamer zone and had a really good time so shout out to them for making the call and and showing up so that's it all right i'll go next uh we have the recommendation for a shout out remy uh who's part of the uh wolfnet and everything uh helped a local member in need the other day uh he was asked by a fellow canadian who he has never met in person but got into contact through wolfnet if uh he could help him move so uh remy went out of his way to help him uh without hesitation fine example of the best team community out there and yeah, uh, straight. also another shout out to kevin Waugh for some feedback for past episodes which is awesome too we love feedback you know why because people talk to us since we always <laughs> transmit we don't always receive but we're listening um and he also wanted to remind us who is the loudest of the podcasters which he's not here tonight i think we all know who that is Yes, I knew I, I had that one right. It wasn't me. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, Coach is still the loudest, Kevin says. <laughs> or Kev says. <clears throat> uh, Tommy? Uh, I just want to shout out to everybody who's been uh, uh, taking more interest in the 6K event. Um I didn't think it was going to be that big, but I guess more people are talking about it. So. Got to get some classic in there. Yep. Hey, you know, we I, I did hear that uh, somebody was kind of uh, not. They said that we bag on classic on this podcast, and we don't by any stretch of the imagination want to dismiss classic. It uh, It's the game that got us all playing. 
and it still holds still holds a place in in my heart. I still enjoy it. Matter of fact, I had one of the better games of classic here a couple weeks ago at the source. Just had a fantastic time rolling dice and meeting new people again. So we do talk a lot about Alpha Strike on the podcast right now because we're it's good for beginners. Pushing, we're pushing this 350 and and we've got a community that's starting to come up around it and I I believe it it's one of the best ways to get introduced to the game. Um so please don't don't take that we don't like classic cuz we don't talk about it enough. It's just we're really, really focused on making this 350 rule set the best we can we can, and and it's getting a lot of our attention. We we are going to be putting out a, an update to the rules. Um, we're going to be talking with a couple other folks to get some more um, insight on how we can write and do things better. So hopefully we can get that polished off to a point where we can really call it a 1.0, and then we can switch gears and start taking a look at 6K. Um, Matt and Tommy are leading that charge and have done a phenomenal job so far. So, because we love classic too, love it. Getting some spit, getting some spit and polish on that, so we can get that put out as well, would be awesome. So, um, yeah, I just want to make sure that classic is never very far from our thoughts. It's just we're so focused on what we're trying to get accomplished right now. So, and it's unfair. It is. It's a great game system. It is. Because I like the cheese, so. I like my T-coms with pulse lasers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> well, um, well, yeah, I'll do my shout-outs. Um, my first one is to Randall Bills. Um, I don't think we've ever shouted him out, but um, Little Bird, again, getting into the rumor mill, but um, Little Bird says that he is the force behind the Shalone. So, um, mm-hmm. hats off to you, sir. <laughs> um so yeah. Um, anyway, but just uh, so perfect. I can go on for days about how perfect that was. But anyway, um, agreed. Uh, agreed. Uh, Al- Alexander Darst um, for reaching out to me and getting me in contact with my uh, local BattleTech uh, Facebook group. So I'm now following my ca- uh, Colorado Springs group, and I will once my schedule gets sorted out, I will be following you guys around. So be looking for me, Charles. You're gonna. You're actually going to start rolling dice finally? That would oh, be spectacular. Yeah. He's got the stuff. Have... He's got the I, stuff. I, I, got, I got the stuff. I got the stuff. He's now. had the stuff for a long time. With, might have the Play schedule with your toys, too. Man. Play it, with your gonna toys. It's going to be great to not just paint them. Um, speaking of painting, <laughs> uh, next shout out is uh, I got my care package. I think everybody else has not talked about it because I didn't have mine. So they're right. all just being gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Amy Sierra. Ciravella Delaney or Delaney Ciravella, whatever order they go in. Um, Topa Seneca, thank you guys so much for the gifts. Um, if you, uh, Amy has been on the show, um, check her out at uh, Minis by Amelia. Um, uh, she made us all keychains, uh, very cool. Um, and then fantastic Topa made, yeah, yeah, so cool. Um, and then Topa got us some name tape and Seneca the. Uh, Lost Tech Dice, I've never, like I always saw them online, never picked any up, but man, these are super sweet. So thank you all. <laughs> um, and then last, um, since Aaron's not here, I, I'm not even stealing his thunder. Thank you, John, so much for being on the show. This is a great conversation. 
Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the invite. Um, I'm always happy to swing back anytime you want me uh, to come back. So, sure. It's been well, a lot of we're fun. Gonna hold you to, we're going to hold you to that because I'm sure we'll, we'll get you back here again. Yeah, because we have a lot of questions that you didn't answer. <laughs> 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 Which we'll find out in the future, but you know, it's, it's, it never hurts to hear it first. <laughs> but then again, yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Uh, we'd like, you know, as one entity, we'd like to thank you very much for your time and your patience. I hope we didn't keep you up too late. Um, also, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, have a great evening and a pleasant tomorrow. You can check us out on uh, WNRP at WallStreetGoons.com, YouTube, Discord, Patreon, Facebook, with all your questions, comments, concerns. Woof. Timestamp. 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 Two forty thirty nine. Well, let's just do two forty forty. Make him listen. <laughs>